I will now recite the famous speech by Lady Jessica from Weird Science DC Comics episode number 50. I am not a crazy bitch, Eric. I won't tell you what you can and cannot do, but that is inappropriate. And I am angry about that. You hear me, Jim? Edit that out. Kafon. Coming up later, we have a long-distance dedication to a man who likes the killing, is afraid of lions, and knows that blue rhymes with blue. But first, here is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, Episode 384. People of Earth, how are you? Welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm America's sweetheart, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 384. It is 384, Eric, and you want more, more, more. I hear you usually sing that when I say it. I'm waiting, Eric. I'm waiting for you to sing. I went to ask you who sang it there. Oh, goodness gracious. Welcome, everybody. To the podcast where we have five books that we're going to be talking about this week. We have some big stuff, right, Eric? We got the fear states going on. Kind of the, I want to call it the penultimate issue, but it's not because then we have that extra issue. So, so why do you want to call it, it the penultimate well, issue? Well, because a lot of people not. are saying that because it is like the penultimate issue of the Batman fear state. The other one is like a alpha, beta, uh, omega, omega, something like that. Uh, but James Tynan's time on the Batman book is coming to an end soon and we'll get to It'll see still be if he like is on doing the Joker, that though. yeah but that even seems like they may end up canceling that at some point i don't know it's selling well so probably not but everything else is up in the air including i got word from our man clay that james tynan is planning on doing all the issues with matthew rosenberg of the dc versus vampires right nice. i should have had the, so we the got like I, a year there I got rid of the uh, who ordered the steak. Yeah, but he's not going to be on everything that he was on. We're, we're going to have to wait and see how how it all works out with that. Everything seems up in the air. The Joker at one point he said that he was going to do until like March Issue or April. seventeen, I think. Yeah, something like that. But I don't even know if that lines up. But we'll see. And we get some of the newer writers here at DC. See what they're all about, Eric. See what crazy things that we have going on Always in this episode. Shit. With that, but. All of that said and done, go over to Twitter, follow us at Weird Science DC, then go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, for written reviews of almost all the books that come out each and every week, and then go to our Patreon account, Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where you can get a ton of exclusive shows, a lot of them DC shows, including our weekly spotlight, very weekly, Eric, as uh, Luke Hollywood would tell you. But this week, we had some pretty cool books. We had... Pretty much, you know, I don't know if we want to spoil the idea that probably the best book of the week was on the Patreon spotlight because the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, (laughs) they ended up picking Batman Superman Authority special number one and also Dark Knights of Steel number one for Uh that spotlight episode, that exclusive episode. So if you want to hear us talk about those in an episode that was about an hour and 40 minutes, which I didn't realize until it was done that it was that long. It actually shocked me. 
but you can go over and get them there, right? You can go. You were starving, was you? Yeah. Is that what you were? All right. So with all of that, though, we want to give a little shout out to the badasses there. The badass roll call here, and here we go. We have Ted Probst, Bill Beer, I Love Punchline, Michael S., Forrest Pauly, Cam, Joseph Lodge, Sick Matt Razor, D-Med 3000, Lady Abby, Matches Belong, Niels T. Ward, Cuddle Camp Eric. Also, we have the 1920s German costume party. I said that's a lot better than the 1940s I, the Germany is, when, I, when I read it and I thought, that's a terrible thing to say written. Now you're going to say it out loud? Jesus. Exactly. You don't want to have a 1940s Germany costume party. David Fink, oh, Joey Bertasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G. Ken Halleck, uh, Comic Boom, Rocky. I already, did I say no? Comic Boom, Rocky. I'm all out of it now. You Now you got me running scared, Eric. <laughs> Cellar Dweller, Mark Jagger, Algern Stoja, Nick Adams, Ruben, Carlos, Lone Wolf Marv, Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Man, Ship, Andrew, and Belfast, not feeling great. Little shout out to him. Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Needham, my man, a Pete from NYC, Batman Beyond, Mark, our man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray up there in Buffalo, Canada, and Double A Ron, almost in Canada himself, in Minnesota, Eric. You don't want that 1940s Germany custom party. And in that, too, I don't know. I'm not really a learned man, Pepsi. Good looking and I well, end up well spoken. Well spoken. <sighs> you know, all that stuff. But 1920s Germany, actually, I don't know that I thought of what I saw. And that looked more like 1920s America. A lot of gangsters and stuff, right? I don't know. I don't know okay. what's going I'm on in Germany I, in the I don't 1920s. understand either, so I'm not going to assume things either. Well, I'm saying, though, that seemed more like the deal. 1920s Germany is leading up to 1930s and 40s Germany, and now we got my joke again, Eric. So I don't know. I don't know how it was. I saw the costumes, and then I, I guessed who Niels might be doing that night, as you say, as they say in Belle Biv DeVoe. And really, it was everyone, is what I think. That oh, yeah. That was up the crazy stuff, really. I mean, really, was that I'm gonna, a... I'm going to dress up as a person who's inside you right now. Yeah, really. It's like, well, is this one of them, you know, 1920s, or is it eyes wide shut? There's Yes. And then he went, Eric, and he had that. Not a cuddle camp this time. But with all of that, I said we have five books, including, you know, big book, little Batman. Batman's big, I hear. And we're going to go to that right about now. Here we are, Eric, the meat and cheese of the podcast with, uh, you know, a couple Batman books. I don't know if you realize this. A couple Bat Family Gotham books, actually, I would say. But those Some are Gotham pretty popular. 
They're pretty popular there at the at the DC Comics, right? They have some Batman stuff, and the sales numbers just came out, and a bunch of people were on Twitter, you know, given the whole idea, oh, there's too many Batman books and all of this stuff. It, there's there's more problems than just too many Batman books when Batman is the only character that seems to sell. So with all of that, just a little shout out to everybody. We don't usually do this, but hey, people, you got to buy some of these other books. There are some good books at DC uh, that are out there that maybe like a Flash that should be selling better or even an action comic, stuff like that, because it, the numbers are pretty dismal. But the numbers aren't dismal when it comes to the Batmans, Eric. It never is. No, I'm a wrong turn. This is Batman, bitch. It is Batman, bitch. Not yet. You say, well, that's the thing. Tynan Batman is doing pretty well. I don't understand why people are liking this fear state as much as some people are, but everybody can like what they want. But I'm not digging as much. But I did see a lot of people ma- making a turnaround. On their idea of it in this issue And when I read this issue I kind of got that idea of Okay, we see Batman doing some things But it seems like they're just running out of time And throwing things at you And that kind of threw me off a bit Though it does look fantastic This issue, but we'll get right into it We'll just get into this here It's Batman number 116 And it's written by James Tynan Jimmy Tynan, I call him, Eric, is what I say. I do. When I see him down at the rec center, I say, hey, pass me the B over there, Jimmy. And he says, who the hell are you and why am I here? I, I don't know. It's not my choice of what playing he does. Ultimate Frisbee right? or Jimmy Tynan? No, I meant the B ball. We're playing oh. the basketball here. I, I would not play Ultimate Frisbee with anybody I don't think I've ever maybe. called anybody a, the basketball a B. I don't well, know. Well, a lot of people call it B ball. So, it's true. Yeah, so I'm B. I'm open for a tray. I got the hops. Throw me the B, Jim. Yeah, I just say, listen, I'm, I'm open, frisbee. jerk. That's what I say. And then when they throw it to me, I become the black hog. They're never getting that back. I'm a ball hog. Well, uh, Jimmy they throw Tynan. it to you, and immediately you're not open, and somebody steals the ball from you. No, is that how it happens? Right now, we're somebody stopping. Taller. We're going to play one-on-one. You're way taller than me. We'll see what happens. Art by Jorge Jimenez, and Clayton Cowles, Eric. And then there is a backup by Becky Cloonan and Mikey Conrad, Jorge Corona, Sarah Stern, and Becky Carey on art. While we actually get Batman doing something in this issue, it feels like Tiny just realized he only has a couple more issues left to finish off his event and is trying to get to an ending, whether it's forced or not. Fear State continues to feel smaller to me as it progresses. And while I do want to see what's up with Ivy by the end of this, even that feels rushed at the end. Cool little cliffhanger, but it seemed like, whoa, what? What happened? It's the most interesting thing going on in the Batman book right now, because while you said at least Batman does something this, I was finding myself wondering who was doing less in the backup or in the main story. Which character was doing less, the Batgirls or Batman itself? Because we were just going through the motions like, oh, my God, the, the clock tower blew up. Let's go walk over here and say Batgirls. The end. And I'm looking at this whole thing where we have Miracle Molly and her sidekick Batman going on the hunt for the Scarecrow until Scarecrow is just right there. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm over here. Come over here. I'm going to go take you to my secret lair. It's just everything comes to a screeching halt to where we do have to wrap everything up. And even how we get to the idea of this, like, Hey, you know how I've been talking about how doing the fear toxin and the Mad Hatter tech, and now recently you just found out how the Unsanity Collective's Master Wise's mind machine also uses uh, Mad Hatter tech? Well, that means for some reason, retroactively, that Scarecrow can take over Miracle Molly's mind and cause her pain. I'm like, I, I don't get any of this bullshit. Now, Eric, I didn't finish my, my blurb. Oh my god, what is it, a novel? No, listen here. 
The Batgirl's backup continues as well, but overall I'm waiting to see what the series does to make any judgments because nothing happens. You're right. Now, with that, just to go with the Ivy stuff, with you kind of get this idea of timing and, oh, my God, oh, this came out before Catwoman. So I ended up doing a little, you know, research and a little digging. And, in fact, the next Catwoman book comes out. No, I ended up looking at solicits and covers and things and whatever. And so with that, the next Catwoman issue doesn't come out next week. It comes out in two weeks with the finale of this Batman deal. And so when I look at the solicit, it doesn't look like we're going to see any of how they got Naive Ivy brought her over. We're going to end up seeing the ramifications of it. We're going to see so what happens when me, they meet back to back. That there was nothing. What, what you're to telling really me, go. it's going to take place in the next issue of Harley. No, it <laughs> seems like maybe, and we also have the Gardener issue. Oh yeah, the too, Gardener so we'll one see. shot, Secret Files. But it seems like what we're getting with Ivy, Naive Ivy, Queen Ivy, it this is what we're just going to get, and they want to deal more with this meeting. Then how they ended up grabbing Ivy and getting her out of Alleytown. It seems like that is just a, a done thing. And we go. Now, with all Dunzo. of that, my, my thing about the Ivy, and you've been looking for that's the thing that you have been it's focusing on a lot. What I wanted to get, and I don't really get it, at least yet, but I don't think we will because of how this ends. I actually thought, like, when I see that, okay, well, we want them to come together. We want to see what goes on. But I actually wish we had some of that tension of what would happen if Naive Ivy died. Will we be stuck with this? Never got that. Never got any sort of tension with it. Never even thought of it until now of, oh, yeah, what would have happened if we would have just had? Does that end it? Could we have had Naive Ivy get taken again by the magistrate? And that's what ends up where Queen Ivy, even though she's kind of evil, realizes she needs that part, whatever. Instead, she's just sitting and eating, chilling. And then you end up at the end of this with the gardener and Harley. Hey, by the way, we got your other part of you. Hey, just the let's idea go. Too. She's not exactly sitting and eating and chilling. She's like, man, I just one more thing. One more thing this city does. I am fucking raising it to the ground. I'm like, she's just waiting for an excuse to drive Gotham deeper than anything else has ever been deep, like, you know, driven into the ground at this point. I'm like, please just stay on her good side until the end of fear state. So when we can figure things out right now, because she is just looking for any reason. And one of the big reasons that the magistrate is attacking out of nowhere. I'm like, Oh, there's Ghostmaker. <laughs> He's just hanging. And he does end up. And at least the art by Jorge Jimenez does play out here that you see the cybers versus the peacekeepers. There We've are been both having- cybers and peacekeepers in Eden and they are distinct, but I'm like, when when do we get them in other books? Because I swear every other time we see it, like, you know, in any other book, it's just peacekeepers who are robots. But this, like, we have blue armored peacekeepers and we have slightly bulkier greenish kind of cybers. So we know the difference. But when did this take place? Because we were saying it early on because of our preconceived notions about what happens from future state into, like, you know, back then the lead to future state where... Fox Tech was doing cyber stuff, but we never really saw it like rolled out there like Ed 209s and Robocop or anything along those lines. There was just a bunch of people. And even that, the idea of the peacekeepers, Sean Mahoney, the first peacekeeper. And then you had Peacekeeper X, you know, Ricardo. And but when did we put out the mass, you know, hiring for all these other peacekeepers? You mean Peacekeeper 91 in the front? That's Sergey Fedorov for crying out loud. And remember when we first saw the peacekeepers, they had that big pk on the chest yeah and then even when we saw what were supposed to be robots as you say they had that as well so it was really confusing and here you end up still having the deal that is the trope where 
Oh my God, there is Ghostmaker. Hey, at least I can I go to promised, town on these robots. I promised a very good friend that I would do no killing, but you are not living things. You are robots. I can take, I can do with you whatever I wish. Yeah. So basically what this is is, oh shit, we're almost done and Ghostmaker's done nothing in a while. Let's throw him in there so he can fight. That's all that is. It does nothing. Nothing really at all. with that. Nothing. Because even all. after Ghostmaker takes out the freaking invading force of Eden to try to calm the Ivy down, it's like, don't kill us all, please. Oh no, the second forces are on their way in right now. I'm like, oh, it's a never-ending freaking battle at this point. Exactly. Then you end up having Queen Ivy, who is pissed off. Now that's it. It's like, she does have a couple levels of that's it, and now (laughs) this is it. Master Wives, I told them that if they attack, and I can't take this, people try to keep me down. And you're, you're just going with this thing where she is about to just explode and destroy all of Gotham, so that when you get that cliffhanger, Oh my God, finally, the heart, the naivety, you know, this childish thing can come and bind the with her so that, she, so that she doesn't destroy the city. It deserves to be destroyed. It is, really does. You know, you have this weird idea about what is Queen Ivy compared to the naive, childlike, you know, sweet Ivy that we've had, like, you know, squirreled away by the magistrate making drugs out of her stuff. The Catwoman's been protecting that one, but. When they were combined before to make a whole Poison Ivy person, we have seen in the past whether, like, you know, one personality outweighs the other, but when they're combined together, she does go over the top sometimes. I want to she destroy does. off humanity. I think that Tynan and everybody else involved with this is trying to do that play of, like, a disassociative disorder. Oh, and they started that with the green skin, like, the idea, like, the green was taking more control of her than her human because self. Because that's the thing. In this, this is where they're trying to step back a little with the Queen Ivy. Queen Ivy, evil Ivy. Not really. In this, you're really starting to push that idea that this is just Ivy who has been abused and has taken a lot of shit and doesn't want, you know, I'm I'm not going to take it anymore, even with this. It's not she just pure out. Yeah, she's mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. It's not, I'm going to destroy Gotham because I'm evil and I want to take over. No, what this is, I, I've had enough. They keep pounding on me. They keep pushing me down. They keep me, I am going to take them out. But it is a little bit like it's not mis not misdirected. But no, I'm saying at this she's saying like I've just I've had enough. Not okay. The Simon Saint thinks he's so great, and and you know Scarecrow thinks I, he's I'm so just great. I'm saying though, she's getting all pissed off to the point where she's just like, "Oh, you're gonna keep knocking on my door? Are you Verizon? Well, I'm gonna kill every man, woman, and child exactly. in this entire city." But that's the thing. I'm telling you right now, the whole thing with this, and again, going to a disassociative disorder there. Which Tanya has. When, uh-huh. when things go there, just that's all they react to is exactly what's happening and they fight back. That's why that comes out. And somebody like me, who might have just made them eggs and, and toast, Eric, the last time this happened, I get it thrown in my face and then start getting beat up just because, because they have been beaten down before, not even by me. You don't think things through. You don't think like, okay, well, there's all these people in Gotham, whatever. It's just a reaction of the deal. She needs that. You know, heart and soul of every the man, woman, other, and child is going to die. You know, the other Ivy. Yeah, but that's not what she's reacting to. She's not thinking that through because she is there protecting herself with this, you know, big persona that's not going to take it anymore. And so, you know, the, I've had enough. We got to take her out. Yeah. So, are you going to take her out, or at the end, like we said, you end up having the nice Ivy? show up and they're going to try to get that heart into hopefully. her again. Hopefully. And hopefully I, I doesn't tell you. The thing is, I love the idea of splitting the Ivies in half and having these two sections of the personality like that, especially when it concerns the idea of being a pseudo-avatar for the green. Somebody's always connected to the green because I want to have the all 
empowering war of the green between her and like, you know, Leva Kamei or Alec Holland or whatever Swamp thing you want, who's the current Avatar. I need to have that war of the green at some point because it would be awesome. But I think at this point in time, like, maybe we got to put her down for a little while because just because she gets back to her, like, you know, herself again doesn't mean she's going to be all sunshine and lollipops I, and, like, I not want to kill she everybody. Will because the problem is the nice Ivy got taken advantage of again, got captured. They were making drugs out of her. They were putting her. So this isn't good. You know, when we get this combo, there should be some ramifications to how Queen Ivy thinks about what they did to Naive Ivy, but we'll see. We'll see if it gets that deep. But in the meantime, you have Mirka Molly leading Batman. They're down in the sewers, as most of the things are happening lately. You love the sewers, I'm right? never out of the goddamn sewers. So, so they're running through here. They feel a rumble. Oh, no. It looks like Queen Ivy's pissed. Just then to go, oh, my God, where did you end up sitting on your sewer throne, Scarecrow? And and this more of a pipe. <laughs> people seem to love this. The idea that Scarecrow then says, "Oh, I'm going to get you, Batman." Batman says, "Oh no, I'm going to get you, Batman." Yeah, I ended up of the mind. <laughs> we we played your little nightmare on Elm Street shit, and I got rid of that little you know thing that you implanted in that you're not going to be able to turn me in. I, I wish that you just go. Well, I'll go back to just. You know, fear toxin, boom. Well, that's the thing is, it, I swear, I don't know exactly how it works, but I just assume this weird, like, you know, Mad Hatter nanotech that floats around in his gas, and you just puff him with it, and all of a sudden he is just back to square one with the way it should work. But no, well, like, you, you've already cured my stuff, my fear toxin. Well, Miracle Molly over there, I can just make her feel how pain does and this control make her. Sense? How and, does know, this make any cause sense? Because I use Mad Hatter tech. That's Mad Hatter tech. It's all Mad Hatter tech, and that means I'm all powerful. I'm like, what's Mad Hatter doing right now? now? We might as well also – and why haven't they gone to Mad Hatter to fix – Well, that's the up, thing is when you get to the next book with Arkham City, I think that motherfucker is still running through the sewers away well, from Somebody Mark better Asriel. try to get him. But <laughs> he might be down another corridor in the sewers. This almost ends up being a riddle from like Batman 66. The idea, like you said, I use Mad Hatter tech, and since the machine – that you use had Mad Hatter tech, then I can use that to control your mind. No, no, no. That when they get their mind wiped, it's pretty much wiped with a machine, done, gone. There it is. It stores the trauma, stores all that stuff. Yes, we're using that as well. But there didn't seem to be any sort of residual deal that you're now able to tap into. It was just a machine that did that. Just that, because like, removed your memories, your emotions and stuff like that, like uh, dealing with traumatic like uh, moments and stuff. For some reason now, like we saw with him doing Sean Mahoney last issue, all freaking Scarecrow has to do that can do anything with Mad Hatter. He's got a fucking toggle switch on his forearm. That's all it's it an, is. It's a Nintendo 64 <laughs> controller is what it looks like. Now with that, why couldn't it just be the idea where Scarecrow... Now I'm playing with power. All, Sca all Scarecrow, in my mind, to set this up is to just explain very quickly to Batman and America Mall even, listen, you, you wiped out all the trauma and bad things. You wipe that out. Your body can't take this now. Your mind is not ready to take the fear that I'm going to give great. you. Boom. Fear, fear toxin. She's not set up. That brain does oh not have God. any mechanism. Molly, now what's happening? I, I don't know. It feels like a migraine right now because he's, <laughs> you know, he's doing Mad Hatter tech stuff. Can you please make a stop? Here's some Mad It's not working, Batman. Migraine's real bad right yeah, now. Wouldn't it make more sense, though? Like I said, you have tried to get away from that trauma and taken yeah. it out. Your brain cannot handle it anymore. That's you are cool. now so susceptible to what I do normally. Batman. It's like the boy in the bubble exposed to the exactly. common cold. That's all it is. And that's all you need. Don't go. You don't have to fudge it with your Nintendo 64 controller there and say, beep, boop, beep. 
and then have it that if that controller gets knocked out of his hand, all of a sudden you snap out of it? Well, I'm telling you, this toggle switch is the worst thing, though, because he completely took over Sean Mahoney's actions in, like, the previous issue or in that, like, Secret Files one-shot that we had. Now he just flips it and this can take over, like, you know, cause great pain in Miracle Molly's mind. I'm like, this thing is, this can do anything right now. Now, it can do everything, but what James Tyne is doing, and I thought he did this in the Joker War as well, where we had this big idea what the Joker was going to do. I always go back to the theaters. I'm going to set up these theaters. We're going to have people there. We're going to reenact when your parents died. All that never happened, and then ended up getting solved off panel. You have had this thing with the the city will evolve. The city. But he doesn't have my any trauma way. bomb will evolve the city into my fear state. But what he then ends up doing is just only able to show this with Sean Mahoney. It gets lesser than for them just to say, and then I'll do it to the city. But what happened with the idea that the city was set up with all these disasters, all these things going, and then you just have a trauma bomb? You didn't need those. The whole thesis of what fear state is is just thrown out with just. I have trauma bomb. Look at look at Sean Mahoney's brain. It's evolving. Is All that right. supposed to show you now that he's a smarter, better Sean Mahoney? Because what I think they're doing here is in the future state, we ended up seeing that Sean Mahoney was kind of the big thing. We rarely saw Simon Saint, but it was still like, is that the setup? Because well, at this I, point in time, I think because of what he's endured with the, you know, the initial tests of the trauma bomb and what the unsanity collective, you know, machine can do to you when used in a scarecrow type of way. He is now the big man on campus. He can well, like you he know, is. He was kind of a guy who was put somewhere just like be- believed originally that he deserved more, but wasn't a guy that could just take it and had the power or the mindset to do it. Now through this evolution of this fear state, we see in the future state that he is the like the man in charge. Simon Saint ain't shit compared to a because freaking, I like, think that the I think the Saint Industries and those things all get taken out at the end of this. I think because they even say in news reports like, oh my god, all these atrocities by the the Saint industry. I think that you're you're fudging this to make him the big bad. Now, with that, how would it be the this evolution of this fear state and the trauma bomb and what it does to Sean Mahoney? Like it's almost making it like he's like this, you know, tenth intellect genius. I don't get that from the trauma or whatever. I could see that it makes you somebody sadistic. It makes you somebody that evolves in a way that you have no empathy for. He's like, got that the would confidence, be the evolution finally, Jim. And the confidence. But I wouldn't say that that makes, like, this, how they're explaining. Look at him. He's getting smart. You have to make this guy smart because before he's just this, you know, lowly prison guard at Arkham. Now he has to be the big bad, and it seems very forced by the end of this. I'm the, you know, you're the disease. I'm the cure now. We keep getting all these things. But with that, you end up having... Scarecrow's just talking a lot of smack. Like, oh my god, I'm gonna be the big deal. Wait till you Oh no, I just got shot. Just this is a great thing. When we go back to Scarecrow's secret hideout to show Batman and Miracle Molly all the progress he's done on his trauma bomb, his studies into the fear state by showing them how great Sean Mahoney is and doing this whole thing. And now I'm going to take off my bullshit mask and you can see Jonathan Crane and I have a weapon right here that can do stuff. <laughs> Bam. I'm like, and fear state is over because Sean Mahoney just shoots him off panel and he's done. There you go. And so with that, the the line that got me, because remember, Tynan was not involved at all with Future State. Yeah. So him telling the story and getting it to line up, whatever, that wasn't his story anyway, but he's doing it where you end up having Sean Mahoney's like, well, 
I think I'm going to start running shit. You know what? I'll probably hire Crane to be some lonely guy. Ooh, what a callback. Oh, my goodness. What a it's call happening. forward. It's happening there. Oh, foreshadowing. And I'm like, really? Like, because you I did it, Jimmy. You did it, Jimmy Tiger. They had to get to a point. <laughs> Where, okay, where that would make sense. Like, why is this happening so quick? How is it going to get there? And he just says that. You're like, oh, my God, you did it. I, I I just think that he's, like, writing this and, like, thank God I'm getting the hell out of here. Go on this sub stay. But, yeah, that that's it. And, like, I'm going to take you down, and I'm this big thing. And We I'm, got I there, just... Jim. We got there. One day, Jonathan Crane will work for the magistrate, and Peacekeeper One will be the big bad of everything. We got there. We did it. And and really, if you want to say this issue does, it does those big things. It really does. But do we want to get there? But it does it. In, no, I'm telling you, we do get it's there. So and we can see the path now. But yeah, just, we see the path. This fear state. Oh, Sean Mahoney, he's crazy this entire time. Batman's done nothing. He's now evolved. Shoots Scarecrow and says, <laughs> "I'm going to fight you, Batman." Yeah. In the meantime, like we said, the the overall, you know, the the. People doing Man, the my mind was fucked up because of that toggle switch, but I'm okay now. Yeah, all of Gotham at this point seems to like be spelling out shit's gone wrong. You, you, you know, Saint Industries, so they're just going to take him away, and now you're going to end up. But where is Sean Mahoney? Oh no! But yeah, with that, it just is all forced. And then at the I, end, I kind of like this bit though, where Sean Mahoney as Peace, Peacekeeper One, he puts his mask on and stuff ass. like that. He looks, see, he looks like a Jason Voorhees yeah, badass kind of yeah. dude like this. And he has like you know an extended like you know knife arm for whatever reason. But it's it's like you know part of his you know robotic arm broken off. He's got the nano. He even says that he feels yeah. the nano going. Oh, I'm sorry. Every and then he, he almost becomes like a saiyan at this point, where the more he fights, the stronger he gets. Cause like you know along those lines. Where I wanted to be like we saw in Batman Superman the Authority special number one, where you know Batman pretty much just did Batman stuff to prove how badass he was to Midnight in that book. I want Sean Mahoney, even though it doesn't make sense for where we're going in the future state, but I want Sean Mahoney to talk all of this shit about I'm not afraid of you because of what he's gone through. I'm better than you. You're an old man. You can't do what I can do. And I just want Batman to whoop his ass just so goddamn right bad. Not just one shot him, but I want him to go old school. Not even old school, but, you know, almost like uh, Dark Knight Returns or just more of a brutal Batman that just wants to take him apart piece by piece to prove a point that he is still the Batman and the scariest thing in Gotham City. It would be cool. I'd like to see him just crack that mask right off his oh, face. Yeah. At one point, Batman almost gets his junk slice and looks like he knows that's, that's that's that he almost, I'm telling you, <laughs> look at him. He knows that he almost got his junk slice. He is jumping from that with the way the most fearful I've ever seen him. In the meantime, with this, you end up having Miracle Molly go over to the controls. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, no, I don't know what I can do. The trauma bomb. It's already armed. It's going to go off. If only Crane wasn't dead. Okay, I can work with that. Okay. What? what? What are you going to do? Cut off his hands? They can go beep. Like, it's just hey, everything's Crane, just thrown at you. Give me the you. code to shut this down. No, do it, Crane. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, look at what happened. Look what you created, you Frankenstein. That's the doctor, Eric. I know. And he ends up like, you just know that. I mean, this is starting to fall apart completely, like the. The Joker, Joker War, War did. Yeah. It ends up always a flop by the end of everything. Because even by the end of this issue, we're not dealing with Fear State. We're dealing with the Magistrate in Eden with Poison Ivy. And I'm sitting there I'm like, yes, this is where you should end it. Because with all this other bullshit, even though it's called Fear State, this is the most important part. And and you know what I get with Tynan? And, and some of his other books are just loved. I mean, I haven't read that nice house on the lake and stuff like that. 
But even as Joker, the nice house on the left down the lane, whatever it's called. But you end up where most of the stuff with the Batman, the Joker, stuff like that. Oh, my goodness, Sarah. Are you okay? So, oh, really? Uh, He he probably would. If he was playing hockey, he'd be that kind of jerk. You end up here, though, that James Tynan, it's so hard to figure out when he actually stops setting up things and then starts telling the main story. Everything is always set up, set up, set up, set up. Oh, no, we're almost done. End. It, it is all the time. We're still setting up that Joker book. I mean, really, we're, we're still setting up things with the individual families and stuff like that. The idea that we had the designer it, it set up, set. Oh, no, Joker war. And then that got said. He never gets to that. Oh, uh, the designer. We hardly knew ye. Yeah, because really? you never got past the setup. And so he's still the adding things in there. Ever been. A, a name that goes whispered on the wind causes people to <laughs> flee in fright. The designer. The oh, no, man. he's been dead for years. The Joker's yeah. big guy. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. So by the end, it did feel real, like, out of place. Like, all of a sudden, ta-da, we're here with the naive Ivy. It's the gardener who looks like, like, are we almost done here? I got shit to do. Both hands in her pocket. It's what she Well, that's the said. thing is, we don't have the uh, the gardener one shot yet. But for the most part, it seems like she showed up to town like like she's helping a friend move and really doesn't want to be there for the most part. Yeah, she was promised pizza and beer, Eric. Nobody bought it, right? <laughs> and then they're like, "Man, she's like, I did say maybe on the evite. I actually showed up like a dummy." Uh, with that, I'll just point out, really, there's the gardener who sh- shows up with Harley. Right? They have yeah. Ivy. What do we know about the gardener? I know we're going to get the one she shot used, to get that, you, but what do we know about She is about just her? like every other side character that Tynan has. They have some deep connection to a bad guy from years ago that they bring up out of nowhere. Like Ghostmaker, I, I went and learned from Crane. Or Masterwise, I used to work with the Mad Hatters, and I was also the Dormouse. Who's the gardener? I used to work with the Ivies. I make the plant dogs. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And that's all this you get. This is the setup of all continue. the new characters. Who are you, Ghostmaker? Oh, I used to train with the Batmans before he was the Batmans, and then I had a connection to the Scarecrows, also a billionaire. Remember, we thought he was the seer at one point. That would have been cool. But we go off then because the ending of this is that, you know, naive Ivy's here. Hey, Hooray. guess what? Here's you should listen to yourself, dare the Ivy's. I never listen end, right? to myself. No, I don't either. I, maybe I should sometimes, but. You end up then with the Batgirls two of three here. Set it off, it's called, Eric. And you don't really do anything. I don't think we needed a two of three. I think we just needed a two that was kind of solid because what do you do in the middle act? Well, people will talk about, oh, in a trilogy, the middle act is always like this, where you're just building up the world and the situation. You don't have enough time to, you don't really tell a full story, complete middle, beginning and end in these kind of situations because it is the only middle arc of this whole thing. But all we learn is that the Batgirls didn't blow up with the clock tower, and now the magistrate's after them. I'm like, we didn't really learn anything except for the idea that, I say that, but, you know, it's along the lines of, you know, Cass having the seer put that whole thing out of where it looks like the Batgirls have killed people, making them, you know, public enemy number one. But for the most part, them just continuing the idea of fake news saying, oh, yes, the uh, the terrorist Batgirls blew up the clock tower. It wasn't really the magistrate that did it. And they're like, there's conflicting reports, but... We have our girls get out there, and you just see that they are still teamwork. Like I'm telling you, it's like yay, Batgirls by the end, and that is how you end this whole thing where they're on the run and they're st- like civvies. I, I think that there's, you know, a couple things going on here. Number one, you're you're setting up that the seer is going to be a villain in the Batgirls book. Uh, number two, you just what is want this people, place? You just want people to know that the Batgirls are going to have a book, and here's the writers doing it, and. I'll give them credit for one thing. I like Cass here. I like the cast that has a bit of vocalization, but not 
you know, not too wordy. I do like that, but nothing's really going on here. I said in my deal, you have to just wait and see how it's going. Now, I will say that Clunan and Conrad do something that drives me nuts. I mean, seriously, Gotham right now is a, a it's a mess. It's a war zone, right? You have the magistrate. They have a, a damn freaking curfew. You can't UFOs get milk in the skies. UFOs in the skies. Buildings blowing up. Every which way but loose. Mouth but monsters yet, in the sewers. But yet you have to step it up and say, oh, by the way, there's a basketball game tonight. <laughs> like, really? In lighter news, the Gotham Griffins are going to be. No way is anybody coming into the city to play any sort of sports. This shit is canceled. It just made me laugh. Like, you're supposed to go with, like, well, in lighter news. No, not really. And I think that this is also set up for old Grace O'Halloran. <laughs> To be a character the, the, in the background. I'm sorry, this Grace O'Halloran, where we have a new, like, you know, news reporter along the lines of a Vicky Vale, Deb Donovan type. And we just had this one, like, it's just out of nowhere. It's almost like we're supposed to know who this I character know. is. And I don't know why they're playing this way. I don't when know why all I, I think it's know, so funny. Well, from what we had in the Nightwing book, I believe it was the Nightwing book, at least, because all of them kind of run together. But I thought it was going to be Deb Donovan when they oh, said, Oh, that's what oh, I thought, too. Yeah. Or Vicky Vale, because those are the two that we've seen. But now we're just doing, you know, Steph and Cass are going to have their own, like, you know, inside reporter. But. From what we saw in Nightwing, when uh, Barbara was going to go hack into, like, you know, the system and show, like, you know, the location of the seer. And that's how we find out that she's actually working for the magistrate and in the UFO and stuff like that. Where does it look like the seer is at when she is doing this whole Simon Sane thing? Is it weird that we have a character who supposedly works for the magistrate who is deep faking Simon Sane and doing these weird orders for the magistrate to go out and kill these people when it seems like the magistrate and Simon Sane would just like do it themselves anyway? I don't understand the progression. I don't understand it either. I don't understand the progression. And again, what is this neon colors everywhere in the UFO? Like, is this to have a special cubicle for the seer in the UFO that has some like neon paints? Seriously, what is this version of Simon Saint anyway? I mean, look at that guy. He looks crazy. He's got his turtleneck on, but he looks weird. He's just, he's crazy looking at that looks guy. Looks like he's kind of out of the Matrix. Look, he does, actually. Um, but yeah, with that, I think this is just supposed to set up that book, but it, I can't give, get a read on it. But overall, it felt weird. There's progressions that I think don't play off. I think the art is a little more confusing than it needs to be, but. The one point when you end up having the magistrate show up and they blow up the clock tower and, oh, my God, everything's going. Then you try to you do this like weird back and forth swerving of, oh, when Simon State goes on, you know, to tell everybody, hey, we went. There were these terrorists here. We had to do what we had to do. We're sorry about the skyline. I'm like, there's more shit that you have to be concerned with. But, you know, times like this, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. And then you go out of that and have Grace O'Halloran saying and other people saying like, hey, they said that these Batgirls blew up. He never really said that. It felt weird, though I thought that's what he should play. And then, oh, Grace O'Halloran knows the truth. I'm like, I don't know what we're getting at here, but I'm going to wait until the Batgirls book happens to see if there's anything worth telling. I don't exactly love this Steph. Steph is a, just a weird play with her, but I do like the cast. But it's weird. Also, you have not liked any version of Steph. No, in because any kind they of always want to play Steph as this girl who's on the side, bitching and moaning, or not understanding anything. They never make her be a like a strong, smart girl here. She's always there, being told, "I said that already. I already told you that." Or she's just, you know, goofy. With that, though, with this whole deal going forward, I just don't know that. 
you're seeing enough for me to think that they have anything to go. We're just going to have to wait for that Batgirls book, obviously, as I keep saying. Um, but I, I just want, oh, I remember what I actually, what I was going to say is when, when this tower blows up and they're on the run, they're going, Somebody has to get a hold of Barbara. They have to know that Barbara will think that maybe they were there. What are you talking about? Barbara's like right outside from what we saw. She's right down the street and saw the clock tower blow up. They're just walking around and they're like, ooh, you know, I hope that she's not mad that we got it to blow up. No, she's going to be concerned that you're dead. Yeah, but like there's no way to talk to them at this yeah, point in time. because find no- her. They, they said they know where this this uh, Oracle 2 is. They got the note. Go there. At least go there first. And it's weird that we're calling it Oracle on. 2. I know. Like, we have the Seer. We have Oracle 2, the faux Oracle. But, like, why do we just keep changing the names of this bad Oracle? You're also, you know, Batgirls. You should know different places where you may be able to go during times like this where you could end up seeing some other they're just walking around looking well, we at see TVs that everything already stuff. seems to be compromised from every other like even where you know barbara had her like you know physical shutdown of the oracle system was already taken over by the magistrate and stuff like that so pretty much anywhere you could think to go it's probably already been compromised i don't know i'm, I'm saying just normal things go find duke he might know where he would be or go see where this is they're just walking around town looking at tvs and in store windows just felt weird uh, with all that, but yeah, overall, it was what it is, and I'll I'll wait until the Batgirls deal. But this this is not going to keep me from reading the Batgirls book when it comes out. But it's definitely not getting me that excited. Oh no! Like if I was already saying I'm not going to read that Batgirls, this would not change my mind either way. So I'm I'm looking forward to the book, and hopefully we'll enjoy it when it comes out. But overall, what would you give this? I like the art a lot in the uh, main Batman story thing. I don't mind the art in the Batgirls book. I just wish that it did anything other than just like five minutes of content that we saw at the end of the Nightwing, like cliffhanger where it looked at the clock tower blew up. Now like, oh my God, Jim, do you think the Batgirls are dead? <laughs> we see here that Batgirls are indeed not dead and they're just, you know, back in the street close about what are we going to do now? And that is the, the, the end of progression for this little backup story. So that didn't do much at all for me. And sadly, the Batman book itself didn't do much for me. Yes, we have finally gotten to a direction. It's just a very forced direction, very anticlimactic forced direction, where we just have the Scarecrow shot. Sean Mahoney, Peacekeeper 1, is the big bad now. And Batman's finally got to you know get off his ass and do something. I'm happy we got there. Don't like the way that we got there. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 5. 5 out of 10, just a normal 5. Just because it's supposed to be the big book. It's supposed to be an event. It's taking over a bunch of other books. Those books have to meander because nothing was really going on in this main one. And then you're near the end and just like, okay, we got to get to this end point. Let's just force it all in like they did. And it feels smaller again. It doesn't feel like a Gotham is in trouble now. It's just these particular characters. Yeah, it's in trouble because now Ivy might bring it down. But this whole magistrate, fear state, scarecrow stuff seems to get littler and littler as we went on. And that. That's just one of the things it seems that Tynan does. He ends up setting, setting, setting up, and then never really ends up doing much except forcing an ending. But we'll move to the next book, Arkham City, The Order of the World, number two, written by Dan Waters, art by Danny, Dave Stewart, and Adita Bidikar. There are some interesting things going on in this book, but the presentation and pacing are not making me excited about finding it out. I don't think this book is going to do very well anyway, but... I think it'll end up like a curiosity. It reminds me so much of like a Gotham by Midnight or Arkham Manor, something like that. This side book, it's dealing with some things in its own way, 
that you could give it a little bit of a benefit, but I don't know. And that's my problem is when I'm reading it, like I said, the presentation, I don't like the art, but I also don't like the pacing of the book itself. For a mini series, I want to know what is. So I don't know about the pacing. It's more as I'm not like I don't like the storytelling. Well, it's a lot. Well, that's the case too. But with me, it's it's a very slow moving. You know, almost like it's being very you know careful with the thing, but nothing is being done. You're just kind of going with these you know newspaper things and the the dialogue journal entries, and I'm not really getting much of what I would want from this. Is the idea of let's see what the hell happened to these people who escaped from Arkham and how that's going to go down. In the first issue, I was very intrigued in this because we had we're going to have a side book that was going to deal with all the people that escaped a day in Arkham Asylum, and the idea that you introduce a character like Doctor Jacosta Joya, like a form the only pretty much doctor who survived a day as well, working with the police trying to recapture this while Batman's off doing Fear State stuff. It's a cool idea when you're introducing all these characters and showing us who survived A-Day because that's what I want to know. I want to know who's still cool and out and about. Like we saw last issue, the Mad Hatter, Professor Pig, uh, Ratcatcher, and stuff like that. We're continuing on with the Ten-Eyed Man story where Dr. Jacosta Joy seems to be working, like, you know, harboring the Ten-Eyed Man in her apartment and stuff, trying to figure out how to help him more, even though he seems more preoccupied with the idea, I got to collect body parts to do a spell, a ritual to protect us from the ghost. Of, of, you know, the ancient Arkham's and stuff like that, because my, while Arkham, uh, asylum may be gone, we have to worry about the Arkham City. <laughs> and also Arkham, Ta- I thought of the Arkham Tower with, with the ghost of Arkham and you're banging yourself yeah. in there. The, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, like I said, when you end up having these like almost journal entries and stuff, it just, it gets away from what I was hoping we'd get. And it just kind of puts the brakes on things. It's nice to see a little bit of psychology in with it, but it feels off. And really, here's my thing. This is not a hot take, but kind of the idea that I even was talking about IV disassociative disorder. And these are things that, uh, you know, Eric, I did go to school for that, by the way. But you never talk about it. And you always act whenever it shows up that you don't like it. I don't. But no, what I'm saying, what I don't like about this is, yeah, I like the idea of pointing out, listen, people who have mental illnesses, they can't be looked at as just bad because of it. That's old thinking. We have, this, is, this is Gotham City and this is a ten-eyed man. You can't do that fully. With the idea of, well, everybody wants to throw him in the deal, and I think that these are villains that are really, really beyond the point of, you know, somebody who has schizophrenia or something in a real-world situation. These well, are to a degree, like, like the Ten-Eyed Man and stuff like that, and talking about who he is and how the idea of the Ten-Eyed Man, how he has, you know, his, like... Um, his eye, I'm trying to figure out how the, the, his the words for his, his retinas, whatever, yeah. but have been retooled to his fingertips and stuff like that ever since, you know, like uh, he was in an accident in the uh, Vietnam originally and stuff like that. But how it works out to so, like Dr. Joy is all like, this is all fucking bullshit. You know, like, this is not how things work. And working with the idea, like, is it really there? Is it magic? Is it this, you know, rogue freaking surgeon that went and did this to him? When even the idea where they go and talk about who the Ten-Eyed Man is, and they bring up the name of the original Ten-Eyed Man, well, there's been, a, like, I think two or maybe three, but I think at least two Ten-Eyed Men, but bringing up the idea that, like, he uses the name of the original one, but going back, there was no, like, you know, army, like, uh, ID for this name and stuff like that. So, like, is that even real? Like, you know, even bringing up the idea of this pre-crisis 
character who was then became post-crisis and whether he was alive or not, but playing with the origins of the Ten-Eyed Man and whether or not that was a real name or not, or if the psychosis is so deep and even the Ten-Eyed Man is just the Ten-Eyed Man telling lies nonstop. Yeah, and is that well served in a deal where is anybody going to care? This is my biggest... You, that's the thing is, the Ten-Eyed Man's a weird one to fucking yeah. point your goddamn home on here. It's like, he's going to be the character that everyone's going to care about. And again, I don't. I like this issue a little better than the first, which might be the opposite like of you. Yeah. And only because some of the things intrigue me, but not to the point where. And I'm just saying concepts and overall thing. They added thing. Asriel to this, Jim. Well, you I know. had a good well, old helping dose of Asriel and have him only do fucking Asriel stuff. I'm praying, my lord. Like, that's all he fucking does. And I'm like, why Why are you going to bring him in just to do his Asriel bullshit and not accomplish a goddamn thing? And then in that, you also have this combo where they're getting d- d- double X and it's going to be Dr. this drug type deal. And that is... I mean, all these things feel like, and even with the art, almost feels I, like I don't there's understand. something missing all the time. And like, what is this overall deal going on like, here? I, I wish we could have tied it into, if this came out earlier somehow, into that whole Ivy thing and the drugs. Because when we talk, we saw Dr. Double X chained up in the first issue. Like, hey, what's he up to and stuff like that? Because we saw a bunch of different escapees and what they're doing. But we didn't know why Dr. Double X was all chained up. In this, we find out that a drug dealer has chained up Dr. X like this and... The reason is he doesn't sell freaking drugs like, you know, normal drugs anymore. He sells you the opportunity to go and touch Dr. Double X. And for some reason, his his other self, his electronic self, like electro self, gets you high and like, like ha- is the best high ever. And I'm like, I don't understand why or how this works with the, who that character is. And that's is. the thing with it. Like, that's a kind of a concept that I'm like, okay, let's see what that's about. But there's not much to it. Being given I'm just to you. to call it him his soul self or negative self. I'm like, that's not right, but it's his other self. Hey, the next taste isn't free. But with this, too, it's not something that I think you read, but I wonder if anybody gets this whole deal with Dr. Dr. Double, not Dr. Double X, uh, the Ten Eye Man. He ends right. up having his map and he's doing, he has to collect body parts. He's doing this and that. Does he, he really, have to? Does he well, really? here's the thing. He's he's obsessed with it, it seems. He's driven to do it. Something's making him maybe. It really plays off like Gideon Falls. The Jeff Lemire book where yeah, you have a that. lot of maps. You have a guy who is obsessed with gathering parts of this black barn. You end up having, and it really feels, even the art style, almost trying to get that gritty. T- and it, but it's not playing out because you have no connection to any of these characters, especially, you know, Dr. Joy. We, we don't know who she is, what she's all about. And I have no connection with seeing Asriel show up. And do as real or, you things. know, the, or the cop she's working with, Detective Stone, and how he gets shot during this raid on this truck. Like, do we really care about whether or not? Because the only thing you might care about is that he might be the only one to take out the ten-eyed man who's but kind do of you care? W- like living with Doctor Jacosta Joy, even though he's a, an insane murderer who might flip out at a drop of a dime. Just the idea, though. For some reason, though, the ten-eyed man is the linchpin of our story, where Jacosta Joy was able to give a tip to Detective Stone about where Dr. Double X would be based on this map that the Ten-Eyed Man had made. So what you do is you take a map of Gotham City, the entirety of Gotham City, and then what you do on top of that map is you do draw an outline of Arkham Asylum as it is because where Dr. Double X's cell would have been inside the plans of Arkham Asylum, you know, drawn over top of the city, that's where he was located, even though... If you look at this whole thing, there's like 14 city blocks for each little cell, it looks like. And it's like, I don't know how you pinpoint shit in this whole right. thing that they Ten-Eyed Man has made. Yeah. And so even, like you said, at the end, you end up having... It's all insanity. I don't know how it works. 
much ghosts are doing it, Jim. Is it insane or unsane, Eric? I don't know. But yet, it's, it's good, good, good ghosts. It's kind of hocus pocus nonsense. Uh, because by the end, I, I get, the art is very hard to follow at it points is. too. And then, you know, you end up having to take the stand. He gets shot. He's in the hospital. They end up calling Dr. Joy. Oh, you got to come down because you're the last one to talk to him. Go in. And by the end, just like the, the first issue, again, I'm like, what's going on here? And why should I care? I just, this one, at least I had that concept of her doing this stuff with the Tenai Man. Hey, does he need to be just thrown back in a cell? Can we figure that? I just think at the end, all these assholes get thrown into Arkham Tower. Arkham Tower is going to get filled up fast. Yeah, I think that Dr. Joy's going to be there. She's going to be in a padded cell as well. I want to, I am curious about what's going to happen to Dr. Joy by the end of this because she has an interesting character along the lines of a Harley Quinn who's going above I'm not and beyond even the chart. I'm interested yet because I have no connection oh, to I her. I don't have a connection, but out of all these things, out of all the characters we have, I want to see where it's going to go. The one and only doctor who survived Arkham Asylum's A Day and is harboring the Ten Eyed Man and whether what she believes in at the end of this will the supernatural aspect affect her like mentally and stuff like that. I do want to see where she goes or if she ends up being the hero of this whole thing. But like when we in the first issue of this, I was excited. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the art, but I was excited in the fact that we were going to figure out what was going on with the the escaped prisoners yeah, of I Arkham still Asylum. See maybe and their i their strange ideas about being chased by a ghost of like Jebediah Arkham or something along the lines. I forget. What, I always forget which Arkham it is, but one of the original ones. But Amadeus Arkham, Amadeus, one of those. Yeah. yeah. But like the ghosts are after them. Like even when we saw the Mad Hatter running through the sewers before, only to find out in this issue. Oh, is Azrael chasing him and the Mad Hatter? He done got away. I'm like, once you add Azrael to something, my interest in something is just pretty much collapsed. And when I saw him here, I'm like, you done did it. You freaking ruined this book for me. And but Dan Waters set that up in that Batman Urban Legends. This yeah. doesn't even feel like doesn't that. Doesn't feel like right? it at all. Not at all. That had a Azrael that was at least trying to figure out his way after coming back from space. This is just generic. That's <laughs> your space. Demon, I'm going after this. And I just really. Like this is I'm, what we I'm got. just sitting here. What is it? Was it uh, Doctor Phosphorus and Nocturna playing house in an apartment somewhere, trying to act normal and stuff like that? And like, I guess that's weird too. I think if it we'll is Nocturna, that. that's the real Nocturna. While in the Suicide Squad, we have a multiversal Nocturna from another world who was programmed to think that she was this Nocturna. So yeah, that's fun, boys and girls. Okay. Well, with that, when you're reading this, you can't help but like, let me check that cover. Is this Black Label? Like, <laughs> what's going on? And maybe it needed to be a little more, you know. Not X-rated. I must said X-rated, but maybe it needed to be a little more. Everything, though, maybe it weird. needed to be a little more R-rated, you know, and maybe a little more grittier, and and the deal the way it's set up. And I keep thinking this is like, oh, this is one of them black label books, you know. But nope, it's the regular deal. But I just, I don't know where is it the doesn't grab. feel connected What's gonna be, to everything. Yeah, where is it? Even where is the thing that words, makes me? It yeah. doesn't feel like it. No, it doesn't. It feels like, uh, almost like. Trying to be a fancier story, but then not telling anything. I don't know. I can't. I really have and no grasp of it. On the creepy ass ten eyed man. Yeah, the ten eyed man. So uh, it's weird. You know what, what, Jim? This finger. When I look at you with this finger, it tells me that you haven't washed your underwear in three weeks. That is. T- How does your finger know that, Eric? Uh, with that, you're sniffing. Uh, with all of that, though, what do you, what do you give this? And this is a six issue mini, and it's it's a rough one because I was all interested in the first issue. This one kind of let me down with where it's going. I don't care as much, but like I said, like things like like Doctor Joy, Doctor Joy, I do care about. I want to see some of these villains and stuff like that because even in that beginning of the first issue, it got me really enthralled just for the idea that we have police surrounding a house 
Dr. Jacosta Joy is entering the house to try to get, you know, Otis Flanagan, the rat catcher, who like out of underneath a little girl's bed, who she is trying to talk to himself about the idea whether or not he should eat this little girl because psychosis has gone all completely fucking left field. I like that. That is a scary opening to this whole thing. I want to see more like that. But now that I am seeing more and realizing it's not exactly the way I was hoping it was going to be. It just turns into Gotham ghosts and Arkham cities and maps and 10 eyed man doing fuck all. And I'm like, I don't know if I can deal with this all the way through for how it's presented, at least in the second issue. I'm going to give this a five out of 10. Yeah, I'm giving it a six. Uh, same deal, though. And I'm trying to be positive with it because I did. Again, we see that they're trying to turn double X into this drug deal. I'm like, OK, I mean, they're I, thinking again, on their I don't understand feet how here, it works. these criminals. I guess you just hit him and he hits that other deal and takes you. I, I don't. I don't, don't know. know. It just at least it was something, and then it does remind me so much of Gideon Falls, and I like that, Eric. But I'll try to be positive. Like even six, the thing but... I want to see more, but they were talking about in this, it never really went anywhere. Was the idea that his, you know, other self was trying to escape him and didn't want any parts of him. Like I like that part. I want to see more of that. How they're not working together. It's all every man for himself, even though they're both Doctor Double X. I want to see that because that's interesting. But we don't do anything. It's just Azrael pushes him over the end. <laughs> Yeah, were you hoping that at one point you'd see that both parts were murdered, like in the Tom King deal? No, because that didn't make any sense. In City of Bane? No, it didn't make sense. But, but we but can we can take away the idea after Infinite Frontier and, you know, into Infinite Frontier after Death Metal that Dr. Double X is one of the characters that came back to life. Yeah, he did. So he's back. He's back, baby. <laughs> now now God, he's right? back and being you know, held ha- captive in a freaking basement of a like drug dealer. Like you said, kind of like an Ivy deal. Yeah. Like, like, everything is they're making better, drugs Dr. out Double of people. X. We have no idea, really. <laughs> Dead was better. Ah, but that's the end of the first section. We're going to go up and we'll be back in a couple moments with the three books to end this. Let me tell you a little bit about Batman, the audio adventures from HBO Max. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader in Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. So go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman The Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. Well, he stares into the mirror, moosing up his hair, blows kisses to himself, and he really thinks a tear is tear. Well, that's just every Looking for a star screen, or maybe a hubcap, spends all his money buying all that crap. Well, that's just Eric Shea. That is just Eric Shea here, Eric. Any sort of Transformers this week? Have you? No, I haven't any? bought Transformers in a while. I've been getting mad at them over the past, you know, oh. six months probably because they kept coming out with more and more exclusive stuff. Or for like, if something came out, like you know, here it is, and I'm at, at work or something like that. And by the time I get home, it's already sold out. I just kind of got fed up and just pissed off to the point like not buying anything for a long time and just have been focusing on DC comic stuff. 
Oh, you ended up like, oh man, I wanted to get that Wreckers three pack, and then it was all sold out. I get is that it. What you're yeah. saying? Along those okay. lines. All right. Well, that's that's and uh, the a honest too. deal. Like the idea where everything was becoming more and more expensive and more and more exclusive, and then like here's our HasLab stuff. I'm like everything is just so far out of reach for me anymore, price price wise and also availability wise. I'm like, why am I going to put myself you. through this? Yeah, why would you, Eric? Why would you? Why would you? You know, read and review comics of you. Oh, here we are. Here we are with three books, Eric. And I did get it again this week. The idea of comedia. Why are you? No, I got uh, that a couple times in college. It's ain't college times. So if I get it now, there's some splaining to do in this house. But now that I, oh, if you don't like that, why do you keep reading and reviewing them? That's kind of what you do when you review things. That's, that's the game here. And we have three books to finish this whole podcast. So I'm not saying that I love these books, but that's what we do here. This is why we're here. And we'll have some fun with it, I'm sure. What are we starting with? Swamp Thing number nine, written by Ram V, with art by Mike Perkins, Mike Spicer, and Adia Pitakar. Our villain is Mr. Pilgrim, the owner of Prescott Industries, reveals his connection to the Green and also why he wants Levi Kamei, and he's willing to go probably a little too far to get him. Since we see him kidnap Levi's friend Jennifer Reese, who I have found sus this entire series, what Mr. Pilgrim didn't plan on, though, was Levi's brother, Hedera, showing up and pulling Prescott Industries down brick by brick. Yeah, and so I said to you, and you you made a good point. This reminds me, and the way that it's played out with Jennifer going on with Mr. Pilgrims, and they're going on and things like this. It plays out, even the art style at points plays out so much like the anatomy lesson issue of, you know, Alan Moore's second issue when he changed up all of the whole mythos of Swamp Thing. With the idea of an old man who's a scientist trying to General figure Sunderland. out, yeah, trying to figure out what's going on and getting somebody well, else that, involved that's the thing to do is, this, it is and, very anatomy lesson. But if you're going to go and compare yourself to something, why not go for the greats like that? Because even in one of the first issues of the Swamp Thing, this new series of this with Levi May, we saw our you know mysterious Mister Pilgrim looking at things where he had records from the Sunderland Corporation and the whole idea that we are calling back to this whole idea where pretty much. From the 1700s, the like you know the Prescott name now you know owned by Mister Pilgrim, the bastard son of the Prescotts, who has taken his father's company. But they have made everything based on the ideas that they got a body of an avatar of the green and have you know made all the scientific progress, everything they have done to become the freaking capitalists they are with the Prescott Industries is along the lines. And it seems like you know they want to go further and they're going to go do as much as they can because. They saw that General Sunderland was trying to do the same thing years and years ago. Yeah, and so it is that connection. The problem I have with it, though, is that it always felt like you were trying to ape a lot of stuff with the Alan Moore run, which, again, if you're going to ape something, why not? But I'd rather it go feel, big or go home. I'd rather it feel fresh, though. I mean, that's not really going big. If I well, end up getting hired. they're doing their own fresh stuff, you didn't like that stuff. Well, no, that even I said all along that every bit of the fresh, it was never fresh. It always felt like they were trying to be random. We was trying it was to be Indian the curses to make avatars like that felt pretty fresh. No, I said, though, with the idea of going with the midichlorians and all that, it always what, felt no? like, I mean, every issue if you have been paying attention to what I'm saying is why do you keep chasing the ghost of Alan Moore? Every issue felt like, oh, he's trying to get Alan Moore with this description. He's trying to get that. It's always been that. Even the stuff in Future State, we ended up saying that. Oh, now, yeah, you, now it's just like, 
yep, that's what it's been. Boom. And while it's good, I actually like this issue. It feels like it's a little too late for a 10-issue deal to get into this now when a lot of the setup got left behind maybe because of that to tie in with the whole Suicide Squad and stuff like that. But I really don't have, again, the idea that we were talking about Arkham City, the idea I have no connection with Levi or his brother. I have no connection at all. If he ends up getting killed right now, shot right in the head, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, well, who's next? I, I just don't have a connection. Having Jennifer suddenly thrown back say, in here. He'll be okay. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, would they want to have this continue? And is it going to continue? Is this part of the War of the Green you're talking about? Because by the end, Honestly, it does look like to be if, set up to be cryogenically frozen and maybe you put away for a bit. Levi Kamei, because I think one of the things you could always put into the idea what I want of the War of the Green, Poison Ivy versus Swamp Thing, if you have an Alec Holland Swamp Thing who like knows the ins and outs of being an avatar and stuff like that, he might be a little bit too powerful for a Poison Ivy who just has a connection to the green. You fucking put a Levi Kamei in there, a, a rookie avatar versus a Poison Ivy. Now you have a battle that's worth looking at. Well, it's weird. Like, what is happening with Alan, Alec Holland now and this whole He's deal the with the stuff? Well, the the, I don't think so anymore because that seemed to be ripped apart. So he should be out and about and things like that with the upside down man coming back. So all this stuff with that. You're just kind of led with this feeling like just this little story that Ramby's telling and how it ties in or will it be something that is referenced later on? I mean, years from now, we don't know, obviously, but I'm not so sure. They say there's going to be a season two, but we'll have to wait and see if that does happen. My biggest problem, though, is that Ramby has gone on, and I say this a lot as well, Ramby has gone on record as saying he'd rather tell a 100-issue one story that get meanders about that that's his style of storytelling he likes to have things that you don't have to have everything connected everything doesn't need to matter in his storytelling where he says he likes to have runs where he reads of the past where all of a sudden you have three issues that don't mean anything to anything else ever it's just eh, i felt like telling that but he has a 10 issue deal to tell well, here and i don't do- think he did a great job when you do that it's usually in a series that people enjoy and doesn't and have any like stand. you know, and it, exactly the thing is it's going on for a long time it's an ongoing which people enjoy you can go around and fuck off and do stuff like that for a book that sells and you can go and have this me- when you have a 10 issue limited series that you're just trying to pretty much set up your new avatar for the green levi Kamei, you better get to it because you spent one issue talking about weird german thought fucking bombs and then spent three more issues dealing with the suicide squad crossover to only at the end of that Tell us what the story is before we get to the penultimate issue of the series. And again, if you're going to say, well, the book got hijacked, by you have to take in but mind even that, that might happen. Even at the beginning, though, you and I were just making up theories about things because we have Levi Kamei. He's coming back from India where he was there for the Prescott Industries, trying to be the face of their thing, like going back home to India. His father dies. Something weird happens with brother. And he turns into a swamp thing on the airplane. But, oh, is that real? Is it a nightmare? And then nighttime's the right time. And he freaking gets through a bomb out of a tree in Central Park. Oh my God, I'm the Swamp Thing. I'm like, what is this? Even when we go back and fuck around in the green, where we have, you know, the consciousness versions of like Alec Holland and the Floronic Man Woodrow because of their connections inside this other place. And we have Jennifer Reese, who's there as well, for some reason, just kind of running around while... I, I don't even know what Levi was really doing there, except for getting some either. weird little hints and tidbits from Alec Holland that doesn't really mean anything. But maybe it might come back full circle in the final issue. But this is no way to get to know your new avatar. And that's Creed. the problem. And and my big thing when when I saw this with Ram V and he's tweeting it out, it was just and he does this. He talks about the process of writing and things like that a lot on his Twitter. 
And he just threw it out there. Do people like the idea of having like one story go over a hundred issues that kind of meanders about, but eventually gets, or, or do you need something that is, you know, for the trade? Now, I think that that was being a little too black and white with things. And I ended up seeing that Jed McKay, a guy who does a bunch of Marvel stuff, doing the, the Moon Knight book now, but also did the Black Cat book. He got on and started going back, not arguing, but they were discussing the idea where Jed McKay said, since I've been in comics, I've had a lot of times where I wanted to tell this long form story. And then it gets canceled. You didn't tell shit. You got to get to it because, number one, you don't want it to be canceled before your story. But also, you need it to continue. And the way that continues is people get involved. And I think that Ram V, for me, is just too much of a a new writer. You can't afford to bury the lead because you need people to care about this in order for it to continue. And let me tell you right now, if this would have been issue three... Uh, yeah, this might have been a whole different ball game. I mean, you would have had to have put some things, but the idea that Levi goes... You kind of can make it that in my mind. <laughs> you could, probably. And just this idea where you see the big bed, you get some mythos. Like I said, it does feel a lot like anatomy lesson, but it's good. Just go from issue, like, two, which I forget what it is. <laughs> just go with this, and they said, oh, no, Jennifer's been kidnapped. I better swamp thing out. Maybe have an issue three. Like I said, I don't remember the exact issues, but maybe the issue three, end of issue two, you head to India... You find out about the brother, boom, Jennifer kidnapped. And I love the idea of let me see what the plants got to say. Oh, my God. Awesome. The idea, and that's one thing that does bother me, though, because while the, I, like, you know, when Levi goes to Jennifer's apartment, (laughs) realizes she's been kidnapped, everything's been torn asunder because whoever kidnapped her was also looking for something. Everything has been thrown over, tossed aside, except for a single plant. I'm like. That would have been like at least somebody would have looked in the planter, the pot, whatever you want to call it, because that's a great place to hide some. But this one thing, show me what happened here, like Orchid, and it does, and it's badass. But like, I just want, I want this to be a situation. And it could have been tipped over and you could have done exactly. the Exactly. Do along this life. But it, since it's sitting there all pristine, that was weird to me. I know. But like this idea of we have, let's go back, like, like his brother Jacob, the Hedera, who was jealous that he was chosen by the Green when, you know, Levi is a man who's forsaken all of the old ways. So Jacob believes that he was done wrong because he should have been chosen. And then he used whatever power he could to steal some of the green, to become the Hedera, to be this thing that has power enough to try to steal the power of his brother and, you know, ultimately fulfill his own destiny as far as he's concerned. In the background of everything that we've been dealing with in this 10 issue series, we have the idea that something has contaminated the green and we haven't done a goddamn thing to deal with that except for mention it here and there and then forget about it for like, you know, how many issues. And again, even in this issue, you get a little fancy with things with that whole deal. Back in 1784, a British trader explorer by the name of William Dalton, you go through all this, all of a sudden that leads to Machete over there doing a little lab work, it seems, from the art. But with all that, that's nice and all, but... You you just mentioned things about Jacob, his brother, and the idea that he's jealous. It's a very Woodrow-esque thing. It yeah. works out with it. But I think that 99% of the people actually reading this book and maybe enjoying it, whatever, wouldn't even know that his name's Jacob until you see it again. Because you don't have a connection to him. And those, when you're mentioning things, you keep bringing up like real important parts. Why didn't we delve into those more and leave some of this other stuff behind where it seemed to be just 
fancy, you know, window dressing. Well, teaming up with Constantine with the German thought bomb, we did not need that. Move it what aside. What about at the beginning with when they're in the desert and the whole idea, like oh, a what lot the of freak, that? What was that? Like the White Walker, whatever the hell it was, or what? Something along did those lines. Did we need that? Did we no. need that when I mean, you, you have well, some important things to get to first? That's fine. You can have that kind of there, but don't. De- they he spent so much more time on that. Than some of the big important things I think he ran out of time even though he knew it was a 10 issue Many maybe he wasn't supposed to tie in Maybe those three issues with the Suicide Squad he got yanked away But you, you gotta tell your stuff And get your story going so that If that does happen you still have A basis this actually is a good issue But you're still left with like Okay I, I don't really get that But I'll go with it some cool concepts That should have been more of a focus Of this entire series and it Just kind of you know kind of Makes me. It doesn't make me sad. I was going to say sad. You probably laugh at me, <laughs> but it, it it is almost like a missed opportunity where we could have had going out. Like just say stuff like a uh, Simon Baz as a Green Lantern, or even a Jessica Cruz. Like when those books kind of end or whatnot, we needed to have those characters continue because our connection with them and all the background and stuff that we did go at the end of this. If Levi never shows up again, I don't I will never say, oh, man, the only thing I'll say is, man, it's a shame we didn't get to know more about him. And that's not. You know the way to play these things in the ten issue mini. I, I don't I, know. I do want to see more about Levi Kamei because the idea of a new avatar for the green is an interesting thing for me that I want to see progress more. That's that's my problem. You're getting exactly. That's what we should have had. I'm saying not that I want to see more so that we get more information. I'm saying those others we already had the information to make me like the character to say I'm a fan of that character. I want to go on. At the end of this, I think we're going to say. Man, I want more because we don't know enough. That's a different whole sort of thing. That that is not. I want more. Yeah, but I'm saying the idea though is you're not going and hey, who's your favorite swamp thing? Oh, it's Levi. No, you don't know anything about him. So if we end up there, are people who favorite Simon Bass, favorite Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz. Oh, I love her. So they want to have more books to have the character they like, not books to explain the character because. The series that was supposed to do that failed. And that's how I get at the end of this. I mean, whether or not I like this issue, it's like the mystery. Do you like the, you know, a mystery because it was well plotted out or do you want it to continue because we didn't get shit and we don't have clues and don't know? I just wish that we would know more and we might find out. We'll obviously find out more next issue. This still felt like this should be. The third issue. And no, then- I agree. Well, like, at least the fourth or something on that, because even the finding out about Prescott Industries, who has been, you know, the company in the background that uh, Levi has worked for, we wanted to find out wh- why it seemed like they were, like, leading, like, you know, Levi to a certain direction, because it seems like they knew more about Levi than Levi knew about himself. And I still don't understand that, like, how that would work out. It's like, okay, Levi. You work for us. We want to go and do a land deal in India. You're Indian. You're from there. We want you to be the face of our company. Go over there and sweet talk your people into giving us our their land for a freaking profit, for like you know, like a, a mint. But the idea is, it seems like they're sending him over there so that he would become a swamp thing, so that then they could also use the swamp thing and say, okay, you're like you know, we're going to expand our company and all this great you know connection to the green going to make some badass lipstick out of you boy or whatever the fuck they do at prescott industries but it's such a weird idea because even when jennifer reese you know levi's slash girlfriend slash friend is kidnapped by the prescott industries and mr pilgrim and stuff like that when they think that levi has shown up even though it's hedera they're talking about the idea 
If he's not in his human form, he belongs to us. He is our proprietary, like, you know, ownership over him. Like, at what point did the, the Prescott industry start owning Swamp Things? Here's the thing. I don't think they own the Swamp Thing. I think that it's one of those things that we even talked about with Miracle Molly, the idea that he was doing work for them. And because they're making that play of because he turned into a Swamp Thing, because they did it to him or sent him to do that, that Levi Kamei Swamp Thing is their, you know, deal. When you turn into a Swamp Thing like that, that's ours because we were the ones you were working for us. They may have a contract. If you turn into he didn't read the fine print. It's a weird deal. It's <laughs> uh, almost so if like you have to turn into a swamp thing. You then belong to us, body and soul. Yeah, and and with that, I I like these concepts of where they did end up having this like petrified version of a swamp thing. They yeah. end up stunning it. It almost feels like the idea of aliens crashing, and all of a sudden, all the tech that would have taken off from all of that. Or even now the they... idea, like with the the. Uh... The Whalen Utani group in the movie Alien, how they want this because it is a perfect thing that they can then weaponize and do different things with it. Exactly. They've, they've really exhausted in my mind what they had already. They need a living specimen. They well, need the, to be able family, to go and do it. And the, it the, is the very Prescott, much like Alien. You're the right. The Prescott family itself has been pretty much studying this, this decayed, you know, avatar body that whatever they have left since 1782 or whatever the hell time it was. Boy, so for like 300 and some years, they have exhausted this freaking body that they had of an avatar for the green. The idea that they get a new fresh one that's alive, like, okay, freaking we're back up and running. Prescott Industries forever, baby. Yeah, and it does look like at one point they're using the rings and the trees and stuff to go, it's okay. And I like the idea the that... The rings and the trees? No, they're saying that there's the rings oh, that right, they the go idea, and do. The, the and memories of have, trees with yeah, the rings. I thought yeah, you meant yeah, like even physical rings. Like, we got green lanterns no, here? <laughs> no, but with, with that too, I like this idea that the research that they're doing is even extended a bit because of technology changes and we're able to do this. They even have a mapping of a virtual deal, but they seem like they're you know near the end. They really want a living sample they figured out from all this research how to do it and you're right and this is the thing about this alien thing that you're saying that would have been so cool to have now again if there is a season two we'll see but it would have been cool to see prescott industries really trying to do some wacky stuff here not just get it thrown at you in a retrospect cool looking spread page but i would have liked to have seen it been more a mystery and then all of a sudden levi goes into something you see all these little like you would in aliens where all of a sudden oh my god they're weaponizing it they're doing this they're doing that that would have been really really interesting and we're running out of time that we're running out of time going with the reveal of mr pilgrim the owner of prescott industries where for like one like you know bit of dialogue whenever joe and jennifer shows up they're like Yup, I'm Mr. Pilgrim. I'm the bastard son of Mr. Prescott, who used to own this, and then I bought his company out from underneath him, but I kept the name so it'll make him mad. I'm like, it's a lot of backstory all at once, but doesn't just do to much. Make, like, yeah, just you to gave try this to make character and try to say he's something, but like, we never saw any of that and have no idea why we care about the bastard son of Mr. Prescott of Prescott Industries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, though, that's the sort of thing that that's the weird focus that you get from Ram V that does it does flesh out. You know, the story is bit, but it, it gets away Mr. from Pilgrim. what we need, right? I mean, even the idea where you have this, I like the idea of, you know, we came and he found this petrified, you know, thing and ends up cutting it this out where of he shouldn't have. And it was, you know, a curiosity, a and curio it's kind of funny thing. Too, because when you see this, you know, the, the, the head of this, like, you know, dead body of this ancient avatar, the green that, you know, 
Mr. Pilgrim's ancestor went and hacked away and tried to get the body queer. So Howdy, Pilgrim. That is almost along the lines of what we were talking about. Well, I was talking about you and Dark Knights of Steel with the idea no, of the I green was, man. I was waiting for the green man. I, yeah. I actually thought it was going to be mentioned. I'm like, oh, damn you, Eric. Damn you and <laughs> your sexy mouth. Lines, like, almost like carved into a tree looking like that. Yeah, and again, those are interesting things. There's a lot of interesting stuff here, but I think that Ram V goes more for feels more for the, you know, the atmosphere at times than actually things. Because, again, the brother, Jacob, and Levi should be the main focus of this. And a lot of times we've gotten away from it where it comes hitting home here. And as Luke Hollywood did say, the next issue is probably going to be a banger. I mean, it's going to be Over. really cool, right? But it, it this issue, while I like it, it does make well, me like, oh, it sucks that this wasn't earlier. In the final issue, because what you want is that by the end of this, you have Jay, uh, Levi's brother Jacob show up as the pseudo-avatar of the green Hedera here. He's going to take down Prescott Industries brick by brick. And at the end, this whole thing, because Jennifer's in trouble, Levi shows up the Swamp Thing. While you have Mr. Pilgrim escape with Jennifer and talk about, you know, let's cryogenically freeze this whole fucking place. We're done with this bullshit. But like, who do you have fighting who at the end? Because what you seem to want to go with that this whole thing is that you have brother versus brother. You have the Avatar of the Green versus the guy who wants to usurp the Avatar of the Green. But even with that, the big bad, the brother, it's like, here we have Antler Head Jacob. I'm like, are we going to get back to the corruption aspect and all this other of the Green? Because you have so much fucking things to do for that issue number 10. Because if this is one of those things that somehow he can get that idea that Levi's there and they're like, listen, the, the Green part of you, the Swamp Thing part. We own that beep, boop, boop, and we could take it. Then they end up kidnapping both Jennifer because they want her to do some of the deals and get Jacob and, and just try yeah. and take him as that living deal. Then setting up that season two where Levi, who doesn't necessarily have the green, has to fight back and get back his brother and his lover. I'm telling and, you, though. And save want, the green. That's cool. That, I that's want real. this whole thing where they do cryogenically freeze, you know, Jacob and Levi. And Jennifer does end up working with Mr. Pilgrim to go and study Levi and the, a connection to the green and all this other stuff because she's an interested scientist as well. Like, you know, I want my friend back. But also kind of curious because we do, as far as I'm concerned, need to get to a point fucking whatever 8,000 years in the future, the end of time, whatever the hell what time frame we had in future state, where Levi is so disconnected from humanity that something happened to him, he destroyed humanity and started making his own but that like, was swamp the thing. people. I don't think that was ever named of the one. Remember, we kept trying to figure out which swamp thing that was. It was never named, so we're not even sure if it was Levi. That was the whole deal it. of it. But again, it could have been Alec. I mean, he'll be back eventually, He, it's, but they never mentioned the name, so we have to find out. That could even be that Jacob won. And then he would be a guy who might destroy. I don't know. We have to find out. But un unfortunately, I a do lot think of this we're stuff end on a has been left though. behind. Well, we're going to because he, and I don't know that originally we were whatnot, but they said you're going to get a season two. So, okay, I got to set up something to go with that. So, God, I do think we'll, we'll leave. I know. I know. We, you don't like fall. I know. See you next fall. No, no, I love but, fall. Yeah. With that, uh, what would you give this? I think the art is really good in this. I, I, we, it's not my favorite artist, but I think it fits very well. Oh, no, so. Mike Perkins, I'm not a huge fan of like certain books he does, but I really like what he does with Swamp Thing and stuff like that. And I was like all about this 8 out of 10 until one point when, you know, Hedera shows up and he's about to go and freaking do weird vine evil dead stuff to Mr. Pilgrim and Jennifer. And then Swamp Thing shows up out of nowhere. I don't understand. I couldn't understand how that happened through the art. It bothered me to the point where I thought that, and this is just on me, like I'm looking at it now and I realize it's not the case, but. When I was first reading this, I thought that Swamp Thing 
was somehow Mr. Pilgrim. Like he was in disguise this whole time because I, I didn't see him behind him, but for whatever reason, it really threw me off to the point where I'm going to go down to a 7.8 out of 10 for my score. I like the art for this. This threw me off, and I like that we're finally getting somewhere, but it could probably be a, be a too little too late situation. I hope that's not that's the case. what I'm worried about. I'm giving it an 8. I, I thought this was good, but yeah, I, I wish that this would have been earlier and we could have been real excited about this and get to something going on, not just, you know, like I said, trying to kind of ape the style and the pacing of an alan moore deal you get a little fancy at points you're having and when we actually do get jacob coming down oh my god it's not levi it's like shit starts happening and it is exciting sure you're is. like oh my god but with that i don't really know mr. pilgrim everything about it like there's mr pilgrim who we you know penultimate issue and okay there you go then we have Levi, we still don't know much about. You're playing the idea throughout that Levi doesn't know much about him and that Mr. Pilgrim knows more, but that doesn't play out well of learning a new avatar and uh, things with that. But I all hope right, that next right, issue can continue this. At least then I'll be excited. Okay, let's get to the next I, I just deal. want to know how much more that Mr. Pilgrim knows about Levi than Levi does about himself, because even the idea like, all right, we're going to send you over here. And while you're there, we also know that your father's dying. When he does die, it's because of what your mother did to you as a witch in India as a yeah, child. There's a lot of you're stuff You're going to be picked hanging. over as an avatar for the green. And you know what? Your ass belongs to us because you signed a contract. I'm like, there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, there's a lot. No, I do like that I hope your brother page. doesn't get jealous and contaminate the green, though. That I would really not. suck. And, and if Camo comes here, oh, my goodness. I was looking at the spread page, and I think that the original – Explorer William Dalton, he could be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Looks just like him, right? And then you end up going, I'm telling you, you talk about that you're staring at the art to see how Levi comes in. Yeah. I'm sitting there looking at the, it wasn't until many years later, and this is in that spread page, when Dalton's son hired an American scientist by the name of Edwin Prescott. And I'm looking, I'm like, a couple of years later, we started in 1780. It's the 21st century, And I'm like, like, look at this guy. And then you see lower down, lower. Yeah. It was a weird it progression of too. art. I'm like, and I'm the sitting fuck? there, I'm like, what I'm what Americans, they're on the ball with that science. <laughs> what is this, the War of the Immortals? What's going on here? And then, oh, oh, it's him there. It was a weird play. With I that. It really threw me I off. I realized what happened, but it threw me off at first. It threw me off. I'm like, why'd Machete get this? He's got a lab coat. He's doing crazy stuff. I'm like, did they invent glass by then? I'm a dummy, Eric. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go eight. I, I actually like it. It's just like that side bit. It's a shame that we didn't get this earlier. And we were just, like I said, right, we were right. meandering apart, you know, hate bomb, all that stuff going on. Even and I did the way enjoy the stuff with the, with the Suicide Squad. It just felt like a weird side quest. Of, like, yeah, I wanted to get onto the main story. Yeah, it's a shame that that could have been something elsewhere and this story could have continued. But hey, we got what we even got. Even if it was just a part of the Suicide Squad thing and just says, hey, this takes place in Swamp Thing, the Swamp Thing in between this and this yeah, issue. Yeah, and I know it's weird to change things or even giving this book a backup, that you could have had Agreed. that story in the backup and just had Randy continue on with the Swamp Thing because at this point it feels like there's a little too late to get the full you know, concept of what the story should have been. But we're going to go to the next uh, book. Eric, what is that? Teen Titans Academy number seven, written by Tim Sheridan with Arpai Rafa Sandoval, Jordi Tarragona, Alex Sinclair, and Rob Lee. Gorilla Grodd plans on taking over the world, and to do that, he wants his nephew, Gorilla Greg, by his side. As brainwashed people walk from upstate New York to New York City so that our gorillas can set up a mind bomb to control all. 
It's just too bad that Tim Sheridan's way of elevating a new character is by tearing down an old one, and Gorilla Grodd is made to look like a chump out of nowhere as Greg's mind or a chimp has nowhere as Greg's mind powers or more powerful just because they need to be and all is well in the world of Teen Titans Academy. Yeah, here's a couple things with this. First off, you're making the play that Gorilla Grodd and Gorilla Greg, they look exactly alike, so you put them in the same outfit. It, it threw me, but it's this such, is supposed to be a, a fun play. book. This is supposed to be a fun book. These characters should be fun. This whole idea, yeah, you're getting some stuff with Gorilla Greg, but everybody else is standing around yakety yakking the whole time. I'm telling you, I'm gonna Greta is gonna explain it to you. Blah blah blah. That's all I got this whole time. Blah blah blah. The, you end up where I want feels, not just exposition of I'm here doing this. What are you, you doing? Get the well, I'm by doing the end this. Mr. Changeling. You, you, yeah, and that's if anybody likes Beast Boy, I know Changeling OG deal, so but they're going back to that. But is it Tim Sheridan's? Is it Tim Sheridan's place to decide this with this? I kind of wanted to go with what we saw in like that uh, weird alternate future that the Teen Titans went to while uh, Forever Evil was going on. In that, we saw that he was the leader of the Just League and he was just called Beast Man. I want to see Beast that. Beast Man, Eric. He's a well, man. He man about it. I'm a man, Eric. So, so you get into this and this whole deal of a village pitchforks, a lot of pitchforks in that village. I mean, whoever is, New York's is freaking has a lockdown on pitchforks. Whoever is selling pitchforks in that town. I know that Tom. it's like it's like one and done. Pitchforks don't often break down or whatever. But that first bit that you sold, holy moly, you could retire and get the hell out of there because everybody is armed with a pitchfork and they're going, where's the fun of this? Where's the fun of Gorilla Grodd taking over this town as they march towards New York City to put up an antenna to take over then New York? Which well, is no fun at all for well, me. Well, not in even this. that. It's just even by the end, like Tim Sheridan makes fun of the concept of this whole thing with a with a uh, with a note that Gorilla Greg and Gorilla Grodd are sharing an idea of the plot. Stupid because you have our Teen Titans going to Nyack, New York, because Summer Zahid. Her family used to come here on vacation all the time when she was a kid, and they were like, you know, welcoming to metahumans. So they go here, and for whatever reason, where there's no contact involved, Gorilla Grodd is waiting for his nephew here, and when has taken over the entire town and says, Hey nephew, come with me and we're gonna go take over this entire city and also dress like me so we look completely the same in this, and it's not gonna confuse anybody, but I don't understand the setup to where like, you know, Summer Zahid and Dress and like Diego, they're all like, you know, yeah, we're not really mind controlled and um What's going on, Greg? I can't go against my uncle. He's family, and he's also, I'm not as powerful as him. But, like, also, when he decides at one point to make sure that somebody's not controlled, like, you know, where uh, Summer's not controlled by Grodd, it's it's taking all the power he has to make sure that she's not mind-controlled. And then later on, he can easily beat Grodd, so I don't understand the fluctuation of powers in this whole thing. And everything that seems to be the idea of Greg and his whole big turn in his powers is that, all this time, Grodd told him he wasn't powerful enough, but you know what? He is. He is. And oh my God, your mom would be proud. And I always knew I, that this and that and the other the, thing. Even I the just... background of gorillas and the, like gorilla city, I'm like, I need to go and look because with all the different time shifts and continuity changes, I don't know what we're playing with with gorilla city and Grodd's sister and the invaders that drove them across the seas and doing all this different stuff. Like, 
I don't. I don't think. I, it's, I, don't I don't think you're ever going to make hide or hair Salivar of it. and like Grodd and Gorilla City and stuff like that. I have to go and look at different things. I don't know if it's like. I think you're going to waste time. I, 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 I think he's just throwing it out there. Time, but I just want to know true. what we're playing with right now with my own DC continuity. Like, do I have to go back? Was there a Gorilla Grodd like uh, Villains Month issue? Was there like, are we dealing with the original, you know, Gorilla Grodd story and stuff like that with down meteors that evolved apes and stuff like that? I just don't know what the current continuity is in a world where everything matters. I, I think I did the uh, Villains Month Gorilla Grodd, and I'm sure that I used something for my tagline, like, let's get bananas. Yeah, I'm really sure that's about as, as heavy hitting as I get. Um, but again, y- you have this opportunity to have these characters, and you had some character building in the last issue. Now, this issue also, you've had a huge delay with this book. And then to get back to this, I really think that this might be, unfortunately, a lot of people's jumping off point. Dude, this it's the second issue of their summer break. We're in November. I know. Yeah. It, By it's, the time it's we get really back to school, it's going to be summer again. I, I think that what ended up happening, this is not official because I don't know the real deal. I think that the letterer kept having cramped hands there because there's so much dialogue. This is, you you know, reading. Ah, my, my cramped hands. Uh, no, I'm saying, though, that... Where I wanted to have... You think this is all handwritten now? Yeah, it's all handwritten. Where I'm saying, though, is when you have to do this, and because he's trying to throw in a lot of the stuff of this history of, of, you know, Gorilla Greg and his mother and Gorilla City, you lose track of the idea that it's supposed to be a fun book, and you're supposed to be able to get some character work. You're just marching towards New York City as everybody's talking. Like, the actual... You know, progression of the story is just walking towards New York, talking until then when the rest of the kids are like, okay, now we're going to have to stop this. Let's get in front, whatever, with this whole idea of, oh, my God, is Gorilla Greg bad? Has he gone fully up? Well, he's in the front with his uncle. Oh, my goodness. He's a monkey's uncle. Oh, my goodness. You never thought that that was the case, but you play with that. For fifteen pages. Well, you play with that all at the end of last issue as well. The idea is like, I think Greg would have thrown everybody under the bus unless they're like, you know, Summer Zahid said, "Hey, Greg, don't do that shit." Really? Okay, I guess I won't. And then even at a point where you have this, okay, hey, uh, Uncle, maybe we should stop and pitch some tents here. Okay, boom, let's talk some more. Like. There's nothing action-wise really going on until they're just fighting, and then Gorilla Grodd mind controls them. Then we see, like you said, you end up having Gorilla Greg trying to put the block, the blockade on some of that. Then you get the original type. It's just the flux of powers that you have going on here because it is cool when you have the like the regular old school Titans show up here to try to save the day. That like you know people have marched halfway across New York. We've had we've spent enough time for the Titans to get a call and make their way to you know East Nyack, New York, or freaking New York City along these lines because they are based in Manhattan. But when you have the whole thing, it's like nephew, you are not as strong as I am. And then we progress, and it's like all right, Summer, I'm using all of my powers to make sure that you're not mind controlled like the rest of like you know Grodd's you know enslaved people here. And then like you gotta you gotta hurt Summer. I'm more powerful than you are now, Uncle. And the thing that was holding me back was just simply you telling me I wasn't powerful enough. And like. We have just made Grodd's plan for world domination one of the silliest things. And it just bothers me the most when you have this forced idea of powers. But the thing that we, you and I always talk about, when a writer goes and says, this new character is great because he makes this old character that you already love and we have seen as a one of the best villains of all time, he looks stupid because that's the only way you can make your own character look good. I'm like, don't do that to Grodd. Just don't do that. 
this is part of a team that was going to take over the damn universe just a little bit ago. Like the idea of all this stuff. He had a baby on him. Yeah, he (laughs) had a baby at the turtle, the babies. I mean, this was one of the, you know, four or five people that were going to rule the multiverse. Yeah, and here he is overpowered by his, you know, nephew who just decides out of nowhere, you know what? I am more powerful than I thought. Boom. And what is that? Power mean? of friendship, power of deal, and that's fine. Grodd is one of the most powerful villains that we have, one of the most powerful villains that the Flash goes up against and stuff like that. Now you just have a freaking student Teen Titan guy, like a wannabe Teen Titan gorilla, who is now more powerful than Gorilla Grodd because he says so. Mike, we might want to keep an eye on this gorilla over here because that's a problem. I'm telling you, we just have a freaking melting pot of problems with Stitch, the inanimate freaking rags who is working with Dr. Fate. You have Miss Raven over here. Here is going to become the unkindness, the daughter of a date. You have freaking the Nevermore, the son of Satan, who's on the team. You have all this. You have the most powerful telekinetic ape or telepathic ape in the world. I'm like, but yet they still can't figure out who Red X is. We're crying out loud. <laughs> Red X is just running around, who's completely lost mind, in the shuffle. Greg. Right? Yeah. Why, why aren't you able to tell this there, dude? Uh, I forgot weird. all about Red X because I've been okay with the idea that we haven't seen him. The the fun thing of this is like all this stuff in New York City, pitchfork zombies. At one point, you do all of this, like I said, yakety yak to get to New York City, and then off panel, Grod just says, "Oh, by the way, I had you know Team B. They set up the antenna. We have a bunch of people around the city that are in the places when you can see and control with them." But the big thing in my mind is, I like the idea that Grod would show up and say, "How dare you!" Try to teach my nephew here, you yeah. Titans. And he says that one little bit. And I'm like, boy, I would have really have liked the idea of him just coming to try to get Greg out of the academy and saying it's nonsense. And don't deal with taking over the world with your mind control deal when you then have Gorilla Greg overpower one of the most powerful characters in the DCU. Have it just be something with the school. He comes in and you can have some fun with it and whatnot. But yeah, this was too much. And the setup is so wacky, the way that they're going to go to this place in New York. Then he's going to be there. Then they take over this. And it just got too much. And then pretty much Gorilla Grodd, he mind controls everyone just until he isn't because Gorilla Greg's too powerful. And it just The worst it's, part it's about not... this, I know that I want to go with I'm going to talk shit about family just because it's what I do. This is what happens when you involve family. But just How imagine. If we didn't have this weird forced Nyack New York connection where Grodd was waiting in this village that he would have no idea that his nephew is going to go on vacation at, he's waiting there for his nephew to show up so he can again, hey, nephew, hey, you're here, I'm here, crazy world, right? Why don't we take over the world? If Grodd just would have gone to New York, set up a fucking antenna, taken over the entire city, not said anything to anybody, he could have started to actually maybe control the goddamn world. <laughs> it's almost like he thought that he needed this village because he does set like he's lazy. He's not setting up an antenna. That's, I mean, that's not work. him. He's Grodd. What I, did mean, I know about freaking set up antennas. The idea that Grodd, I swear to God, he's got his little, you know, cell phone is shaped like a banana. Eric, he's got the banana phone. You just think he's Donkey Kong, don't you? He is. A banana. He, well, he is. I mean, he then he ends up calling Mario, all these things. Mario a little mean to him, right? But no, who's on the right. speed dial of Grodd that he can say, listen, I'm about to take over the world. I, I think that maybe you want to help me, Cheetah, or somebody. But instead, he goes to a right. town in New York to get pitchfork hillbillies. I, I don't guess, get it. 
I, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit here where it's like, you know, maybe he did need this because as we see going forward in Deathstroke, I think Cheetah's a little preoccupied well, with Cheetah Cheetah's Land. Cheetah's one. I think that maybe he can find <laughs> He calls Cheetah. That was It's like, hey, hey, Cheetah, you, you want to join me? I'm taking over New York. <laughs> Screw that. I'm on a throne, bitch. She's there. I'm a all, queen. All of our, you know, Legion of Doom members that at the end of Death Metal are kind of preoccupied at the moment. I'm there. I don't, but that's the thing. I don't know what Brainiac's up to, but I'm sure he's busy. Here's the thing, though. The the Legion of Doom, whether they're good or bad or whatever, that's that's like the, you know, four or five great NBA players that are out now. If if Steph Curry calls me up right now, I'm not, he says, you want to go shoot some hoops? I'm going. I'm going to see. He doesn't have to call the Legion of Doom. Any villain out there is going to join up with him. Just do also thing if they is, don't mind also, control their asses and I, get them to do it. Thing is, I'm not doing it because if Gorilla Grudge like calls me up and something gets messed up, I have heard rumors and different stories that say that he likes to eat brains. Well, I'm not being involved true. in this bullshit. Eric, seriously, you, you're hardly an appetizer to him. <laughs> I'm I just, not going to go that far, though. I'm just going there that I hope that maybe if I got some bugs in my hair, I'll pick them out and eat them. You know, stuff like that. I don't mind that. He's going to make me a suck puppet with his mind powers. Well, he may. But again, why does he do <laughs> I'm going to go into this New York town so that my th- – this a roundabout village, way. A this roundabout it's not big plan, enough to be a town. I just love it. Hey, everybody. He's there with the rest of the Legion of Doom. This is why they won't call him back. I got this plan to take over the world. I'm going to start in this village in New York. I'm going to mind control him. At one point, it looks like they have to hoof it for more than 10 miles to get to New York City. This had to have been the worst. They got there. They're so tired. That's, That's why the they lost. Is- he, like, Grodd has put a lot of money and charity into, like, a walk for breast cancer awareness and stuff like this. And, like, nobody was going to, you know, nobody was going to go and do all this walking and stuff like that. So we had the mind control an entire village to go and do it. He's actually the hero of the story. He Well, with that, too, what did these people think when they came to in New York City? Ah, uh, the city that never sleeps. I'm like, holy crap, what happened? Where are we? What's going? Why do I have? A, and the minute that they have pitchforks, they're arrested. They're all thrown in jail. Those pitchforks, pitchforks? are they're weapons in New York City. You can't walk around with a pitchfork. They're there down I'm there in the subway Gothic over here. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking standing for a painting. Get your ass back to your village. This is a city. Get out of town. It's a village right. of the damned up there. We, we're fucking right moving. now. If this is real, let's start an Uber company. We'll get all these assholes back to town. We'll be rich. Holy crap, these guys, they're just going to wake up and like, where the hell? Oh, their wallets are stolen. I'm not saying New York City's that bad. Just the idea, too, that we're actually walking. They got pizza rat, all that stuff. We are walking so goddamn far that we have to (laughs) freaking make camp for the night on some back road on our way to New York City. These people are stranded now. Half of them are dead. The lucky ones are brainwashed because I don't want to be thinking about my feet hurting. If, like, you know, Grodd's is going to, and Greg's is going to be fucking hoofing it this entire time. They're going to be like, this sucks. Yeah, I don't know why at one point, I know it's not that here nor there, but somebody should have mentioned the idea that they have to get these episodes back to their village. Well, just oh, the my idea goodness. It's like, all right, Grada, like, you know, here are me, mind suck puppet controlled people. We're going to walk to New York. Um, we have cars. We're going to walk to we New York. We will walk. I do not trust your cars here in your A crazy way going. <laughs> Really? Like, it would have been funny seeing Krod just, like, urban surfing like he's Team Wolf. That'd be awesome. He probably would do that because he goes ape, Eric. But no, that's the thing is, the concept for world domination, it sucks. The idea that we're making Greg better than Grodd for no reason besides we have to say that this character is worth your time. 
that sucks. I do like the art, but it does suck the idea that we have a character like Greg and Grodd, two apes, gorillas who are dressed exactly the same, and the only way to like differentiate them is some freaking lightning bolt tattoos on Grodd's chest, and that's if you're like seeing his chest parts. If you're looking at the head, it's, it's very hard to figure out who's who from time to time. But when you get to their emotional drama, this whole thing where Greg has to go up against his uncle, overpower him because God's a fucking chump in this for some reason. And then we have to have the heart to heart with Changeling talking about my uncle's a beast. Hey, well, watch what you say. That's kind of messed up. But the idea that Greg doesn't have to be what he thinks he has to be or what his family thinks he has to be. You have the freaking like the, the 80s or 90s sitcom moment where everybody goes, oh, at the end kind of thing. Everybody hugs and you're like. It's fine, but for some reason, while people were like, I know a lot of people were waiting for Greg to have his issue. Let's find out who Greg is. Just the idea he's the nephew of Grodd. I'm like, do you need to know a lot? Because now he's just sad and like, you know, the biggest thing that happens in this book is the idea that you really do find out that Beast Boy has changed his name to Changery. That's gigantic. Greg overpowering his uncle. It's kind of bullshit, and I don't really care for it. And it's the trope. I mean, we've had, we're going to be talking a book next. That's the same deal of hey, I think I'm better than my family, but am I destined to be like them? We've had this over and over and over. And so it's it's kind of old hat to me. I need some sort of different play on this. But you end up hitting it right on the nail with the idea that the only thing that people can do, because they can't do things on their own. They can't progress a character with good characterization and story. Instead, you just have to elevate them and make somebody else look like a chump. And that's what happens with Gorilla Grodd. And that's and, uh, not that's enough. I wasn't enjoying this story, but when Grodd is arrested in this whole thing, when the Titans come and save the day and Greg overpowers him, he is sent to a note by his nephew. And he's reading the note and you see him through a few panels here. And I got to the point of this note. I know why you did what you did following me upstate. So you could draw me away from the Titans. And like, he was already there before he wasn't following you. You were there and he was there at the same time. He was not following. But anyway, Draw, to uh, draw, draw me away from the Titans and my friends, concocting a, a parentheses, pretty lame villain plot to get me interested in the family business. I'm like, that's just Tim Sheridan saying, hey, I wrote a shitty story. And when yeah, I see that, it, it makes me angry because it's and like, it's supposed to be like, you know, because it is humor. pretty lame. It's, it was lame. It really and it was. doesn't make much sense. No. Uh, what'd you give it? I ended up giving this thing a six out of ten because. There is fun to be had. If you're like interesting, I was you know thinking outside the box a little bit about what I enjoyed in this whole thing. I think the art's fine for the most part, besides for trying to figure out which gorilla is which. But if you will have been looking forward to seeing Gorilla Greg and what he's doing and how you know his powers work and stuff like that, and even the idea of seeing the kids on the you know their weird cross country adventure down New York, but there is some fun and dramatic moments to be had. It's not great, but there are some. I just need more out of you know the Teen Titans Academy book because I want to care about these characters. But each step that we get with seeing you know the Bat Pack and Gorilla Greg, it just feels like we are always holding back the thing that would actually make anybody really care. Like always, never telling a full story or thinking about the ideas behind what they're saying to make it really feel concrete all the way around to say this is why you should care about them, and this is why you should go forward with this book. It always almost feels like a half-hearted attempt in telling a backstory. Like, these are cool names for these characters, right? Kind of silly. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, too, because, again, I've talked about going and reading Tim Sheridan's Twitter, and one of the things that I kept pointing out, and you even thought was a little over the top, the idea that he said he only follows 500 people. You have to amuse him 
to remain on that. I was actually going to dance a monkey. I was actually going to tweet something. You know what? You get about, you know, say seven issues. And if you don't abuse me, I'm out, you jerk, because this would be where I jump off this book. And, you know, that, that's funny to say. You should have done that. But like, and most people will give your book 30 issues and they tell you don't amuse them. Like, that's what I'm saying. If, if, I, if that's the case with these 500 accounts, I'm giving you three issues. You're done. But he also has a tweet that I saw and I, I ended up retweeting. I like to try to, you know, we have Suck a bunch of followers. Bit, yeah, well, not even that. Just, no. You know, we have. We put up previews on our site occasionally. And uh-huh. uh, when we did, we always said that that, like, no jokes in those. It's straight no. up deal because that's us we giving them yet. a this hand. Is, this is a preview. And that's us giving them a hand. You know, hey, everybody, if you're interested in this, you can see this. Maybe more people buy stuff because that helps us out anyway. Fuck the yeah. idea that we don't like things is not a plan. And that's a, the worst there's plan ever. For us. That's the worst plan. I mean, if there's a plan, we could fake the funk and probably be a little more popular or whatever. But, you know, we, we can't do that. I've mentioned that point. It's like, could you think that we can't? It, it always happens. But, he ends up writing a tweet that says at Teen Titans Academy, the lessons aren't just about superpowers. I'm like, what lessons? We haven't seen. That's my biggest problem with this. We got we a summer got break time. before any class. This book has no class. Eric is what happens. Ooh, it's school in July. I in need November. to see because this is the problem. At this point in the series, we would have seen that Gorilla Grodd has a bit of an elevated power set, maybe. And that would set up a pretty cool deal where grod and him going up oh my god is he going to be able to take him oh maybe we see that he didn't have it maybe we see that he's afraid up until this point that if he goes full out grod he's afraid that he'll become a super villain that's all set up that was left that we get it here finally but it's like boom right away rapid fire there's no setup of who he really really likes who he hates whatever's going on because we don't get that with anything in this book you want to get him make, make a monkey out of me well, yeah i mean i'm gonna see him playing dodgeball and then see you know just all the dodgeball. kids having yeah that's always a great place to see who really is a jerk and whatnot because i don't I was think they let kids play dodgeball anymore right to the face you would with these they're super powered eric but even exactly so, they're not playing bombardment that way well, they're playing against each other but you know what I'm saying? Like, see what they're good at. See what they're not good at. See what makes them tick until you get. And I think that this is you why he Billy did Batson this. Billy Batson showing up here as Billy Batson because he's a, a student. I am not allowing a gorilla to throw a freaking ball at my face as hard Still, as he can. What I'm saying is you can do what play he, dodgeball with these fucks. Tim Sheridan is using Shazam. these two issue arcs and annual three issues to show a little bit of the power sets of some, like one character or the love of the bat pack, stuff like that. And so, but you can do that in half an issue in class. You can show that. Well, all, I'm telling you, the everything. most we've gotten so far, and the thing that has felt the, the most real or the freshest is that Teen Titans yearbook special, because even though we had an extended issue where we told a few stories in there, besides for the weird beast boy and Raven love affair, that did the most legwork in my mind of doing these things. All that legwork could have been done in half an issue in class. You end up having these stories are really, you know, hey, look, it's Harry Potter with the Teen Titans. Hey, it says it. But Harry Potter. Sounds amazing. Had a lot, they had a lot of classroom things. And the classroom part is where you found out little things about the characters. Who doesn't like each other? Who is good at what? Who's bad at what? What house are you And doing, then you Jim? end up, I am in Gryffindor. Yeah, Gryffindor, I'm a Slytherin. Yeah. You know, I took you as a Hufflepuff, but that's Ooh, besides wait. the case, right? But yeah, so with all, but even that, even that idea where you see what house they were in, did so much character work for the rest of the series was based on some of that stuff. 
And yet here we are in this where we have to have, you know, two issues with Gorilla Greg where we barely really touch on anything except, oh, I'm not like my uncle. Stuff like that we could have had done a really a lot better and have it in class. But this idea of the lessons aren't just, what are the lessons about? Because we, we haven't seen shit. And I want to see shit, Eric. I want to oh, see yeah. more of these characters. I'm a six out of ten for this attack. overall. But I do, yeah. I, but I, I just need to see things with them more than what we're getting. And then he seems to rely on like, oh, they know about that, so let's go with this. It just, it's not playing off. And I don't really get the idea, especially with that Shazam book as well, that he's real interested in telling anything that's hard hitting or anything that will really. Or well, I think he's trying to tell as much as he can about his new characters because when he might see other characters, he realizes, oh, he doesn't know DC Comics. Yeah, and that's my biggest problem. And when you read solicits, not necessarily for the Teen Titans Academy, but a lot of these solicits every single damn month that we get them is, and Gotham City will be changed forever. And the DCU, it, it never happens. And you have the opportunity Dude, to do it's it. It's forever all the time. You can do it, though. These characters, you, you are hoping really to set these so that they will continue on. But you're not doing enough to do that. But we're going to go to the next book, which has equal and similar problems. Because it's a book where we really thought we were going to get the development of a character that me and you both like, Wing Crush. How is this, though? We're not getting anything out of Teen Titans Academy and the heart and soul of these characters that we want to see. Along the lines of the, the last group of Teen Titans where you didn't have a lot of time to really flesh them out. And so when you have these books, like it, be it the Shazam, a spinoff of Teen Titans Academy, or the idea that Crush is going to go off and do Crush and Lobo stuff, where you have a chance to really expand on the character and show people why you should love them, why is it nobody wants to do a fucking thing with it? I don't know. And and I don't know if it's when, like... In my crazy mind, I sit there. You have time now. Eight issues you have, plus it's and everything matters now. Is it this thing that we're going to find out later that we are stuck in a rut again? This is the thing. If people were listening for long enough, up until death metal, up until a bunch of things, we and we were in a rut. And we're like, are they not allowed to tell this? Because it feels like we're back there. It feels like you're not allowed to tell anything that would be hard hitting or continuation because maybe things will be wiped out or whatever, but who knows? And so you go, eight issues, they're giving this crush in Lobo. Anybody who ended up buying this for Lobo better get their money back at the end. Because <laughs> it should just be called crushing bullshit. I guess it, it should be. It's so ridiculous. I end up reading this. I'm just, I shake my head now. I can't even get that angry. I'm just like, really? This is what we got. Don't Here have FOMO for crushing Lobo. No, that's pretty good, Eric. I should have the hot thing. <laughs> Crush and Lobo number six, written by Mariko Tamagi, art by Amon K. Noapalon and Tamra Bonvelon, Nick Filardi, and Ariana Mayer. This issue is the final bit I needed. I don't even know why I needed this long to convince me Mariko Tamagi never had a story to tell here. And I'm that trying to convince you otherwise. It can get better, Jim. It can get better. It's totally insane for letting this go on for eight issues. There is no Lobo in this book, but we get cookies, dating apps, and stand-up comedians. There, who are these aliens? It we, continues to look great, but does nothing else. Nothing now, at all. Well, in case you haven't been reading or listening to us talk about Crush and Lobo, for the catch-up here, Crush was duped by her father into switching places with him when he was incarcerated in an intergalactic prison, and she somehow talked to the robot warden and was able to be let out of prison to find her father and return him. But she only had a certain amount of time until her body blew up because this was how things worked, and now she's going to fucking spend an entire issue, hours and hours, 
at Space Vegas because she got a lead of where her father was. And instead of continuing on with that lead because she knows he's here, oh, this person thinks I'm somebody else from a dating app. I'm going to go on this date with this alien person. Now, wait, wait. You're missing something. <laughs> the idea. There is time is of the essence. Totally time, the essence. Time it's is of the essence. Down. You have a ticking timer that when that goes it's down, time bomb. She, she is dead, right? So not only do you meander and do nothing in this issue, but you start out by her trying to jimmy the thing open, and it takes an hour off of the deal. It ends up where she doesn't even care about this. This ends up making it so that you have had Mariko Tamaki in page one of it. Doesn't matter. This this bullshit timer is not going to play out. And again, like we talked about with the idea of intergalactic prisons and all the jokes and yuck yucks you get out of the situations because everything has to have a human earthly counterpart because that's where all the jokes lies in alien culture because they should be alien, but they're just so much like us. So you know what we do for this issue? We go to Space Vegas with their space bucks and their space stand-up comedians. And I'm like, shut up. Come on. Can we just have do something serious with this character? With that, you end up having this is Space Vegas, baby. You oh, have the, a lot of like aliens there, there, whatever. And then you have the joke that you know, Mariko Tamaki thinks that it's funny to have Crush like find out at the pool. This guy just looks like Lobo. Then there's a lot of look like you know guys who look kind of Zarnian in this whole thing. Oh, you're not Lobo. Oh, you're not Lobo. I found you. Oh no, you're just you're not Lobo. You're just a guy who looks like Lobo who's getting a dick piercing. And, My and bad. She, she ends up making it seem the joke is these people want to look like Lobo and are doing this. Hopefully, she doesn't come across like the Monsters of Rock tour. Half of those assholes will look like Lobo. I mean, you go to a Kiss convention, you are in big trouble. You, you get the I'm freaking the juggalos. The juggalos. Juggalos again. <laughs> you're never gonna find out any. So this joke doesn't work. You're, you should see my old face paint. You're playing with an entire universe of things in Space Vegas. This is not something where, oh, that guy has long hair. Oh, it's not him. A long hair and a beard. Oh, why does everybody look like Lobo? Oh, my goodness gracious. This sucks. Then she ends up, you know, drinking a lot of drinks. She's having a good time. Goes and to a place that is run by a giant cockroach that makes cookies that look like you so you can eat yourself. Yeah, even though there's a lot of other cookies there and also the idea that Superman, did he go there because they have that? Look, it, everybody it, nothing knows plays off. We saw that. Everybody nothing loves Superman. Nothing plays off like that. It's like that's one of the biggest jokes, the eat yourself cookie company. Seriously, what is this? Am I missing some sort of social commentary you, no, here? I'm not, I'm not even thinking about social commentary because I'm too busy moved on to the point where she is eating herself. Because the thing is, if I had a life size cookie that looked like me, I'd eat the fuck out of it because I'm a glutton. It doesn't matter if that life size cookie looks like anything you're eating. It. It's true. I, I'm, I'm just waiting for the diabetes <laughs> at this point in time. But <laughs> exactly. When an alien comes up to Crush and says, "Hey, Mish, you know, I, I like, you know, I'm here for our date on this, you know, dating app and stuff like that," and then. Crush just kind of goes, yeah, I'm Mish. Fuck it. But I'm like, there were pictures on this. Like, is there somebody on this dating app? Am I missing something? I thought something? that he was supposed to be dating Lobo. I thought that's where I was supposed to go at first, too. And I'm like, but it's not the case. The joke here should be because of the idea of where at the end, the twist, where you have this guy and he does say, hey, uh, I really didn't want to get this involved girl. in this. Uh, but, you know, I decided to. She ends up saying at the end that she decides to do this date because he looked like a or girl. She looked like a good enough person, alien, whatever, and wanted to give her 
that great date that she deserved. It doesn't play out even at the beginning. You're going to die in hours. The only thing that I could think is that you have to play it up fully, fully, that this ties into, oh, my God, this girl is just like me. Maybe I should, you know, give the or, you know, maybe this is the way I can prove that I can, can go on a regular date. Maybe that'll help me when I go back. Nothing, nothing. You just go, oh, aren't you Mish? Like you said, would have pictures, whatever. But yeah, yeah, it's hey, me. Mish, Let's it's, go. It's me, Q. Is that and, an E uh, or an N aren't, symbol? Aren't you thinking that Seven? at the point when they're like, oh, we're supposed to go to a show. How am I supposed to that, say this? That I go, the idea, didn't you think, though, it was like, okay, well, I'll go on this date. I, Lobo must have been the person who had the date. So when the show comes up, Lobo may show up and then I'll be able to get him. I'm nothing, telling you, I nothing. was waiting for the plot to take off where this person, for some reason, Lobo had was on a dating app, was going to have a date with this woman, with this alien girl, whatever you want to call, and they were going to go to a comedy show. And for some reason, I think that Lobo got tickets and said, oh, fuck that scab. I'm going to go and like frag, you know, do this myself because all he was looking for was the tickets to this comedy. Look, I made up an entire plot till I realized there was nothing going on this Lobo related. Legitimately, they walked by Lobo. It was pretty much in the alien strip club and just walked by. He's no, no. there. We can't just say alien. It's space. With the space lizards freaking having like a, a hell of a freaking party in the background. Yeah, they're, they're partying up like crush here. These, these are the jokes. What is this? These are the jokes here. And yeah, you have like flat old. And again, I wish that this alien kind of reminded her of Katie. And this was where she was going to say, listen, well, I know. Flashbacks of well, it. I know. But where is that moment where she says, listen. I can prove to myself that I could do a regular date with with what would be pseudo Katie. So when I go back, I'll know to be, I could do it. And then at the end, maybe messes it up anyway. Whatever. You never get that. She just ends well, up then having this. flashbacks. I'm real good at dates. Oh, are you? Because you always seem like you're an anxious person who doesn't want to be in public or is looked at because you know you're different. I think that's different. the persona she's trying to play to give this perfect date. But why is she concerned about a perfect date? She needs to find her father. You're going to die. At one point, she even says that maybe I can grab these faux lobos and take them back to the prison and maybe I can get a... It's not, no, that's that's not I, what you I, need. Honestly, at the, at the beginning of that whole thing, I really thought we were going to play a joke on the Phobo of that emo Lobo at the yeah, beginning of the movie cool. 52. That would be we cool. didn't even go that far. Yeah, now that would have been awesome. Like, holy crap, who's but this as sexy we saw, Lobo? Who knows after the Omni versus recreate and stuff like that, where Brainiac, I believe it was, had him shrunk down in a, in a freaking tube but or something along those lines. That would have been a cool idea. That, yeah. Like something. They had the Phobo there. And here is the problem with this book. This book well, first off, it sucks. I mean, I, I hate to just say it plain out. It does. But you have to play these jokes aren't hitting. They're they're just re- because the jokes are, oh, my God, there's those lizards. Look at the them. Space lizards. At the one point, oh, my God, there's the space praying mantis that wants to eat people in the prison. The space cockroach. You have so many things you just said about the Phobo, you know, that sort of thing, that fake Lobo or the sexy Lobo, whatever. Yeah. Where you can the play off. You can play off things in this that are really smart in continuity or maybe, you know, play with that. Play with the idea that there's been Slobo and all these things. Do something I'm telling here. You, at that point in time, I don't know how much Lobo was like planning on his daughter catching him and just messing with her along these lines as, you know, I, I don't know what Lobo's plan is besides for staying out of prison. But I think just he's freaking, just partying. Just prick your blood open, cut your hand off, do something where you create a bunch of duplicates of yourself because while they are going to be a bunch of duplicates of you, 
they will degrade, as we saw in the Teen Titans with Slowbo, yeah, and have Lobo, her trying and all that to stuff get like them. that. And exactly, take her off the trail by you actually have these duplicates of yourself, or even just send them back because you know this this thing's going to go to jail. It's going they're going to say it's you, and it will degrade over time. And, and it then doesn't matter just, to they, you. They won't even know it's it's a de- no. bit, oh my god, he degraded. He's dead. Also, just to to point out, you said it from the beginning. This was already a crazy idea because when you had that tracker deal in the finger of Lobo, he could have just cut off his finger. He has a healing factor would have come back. And now you even have a part where could you end up having crush just cut off her hand you know with this well, that's whole the thing, thing. With her and have Zonian, i don't know how far we don't her healing know factors, but that would I actually think, show us well that's the thing i really do think by the end of this that's as far as we're going to take the stories to find out how much she can take and like i want to say that but I, maybe maybe it's just how much she can take emotionally with her girlfriend i think that might be as far as we take it i but don't even, know even that like at this point she's there to you know, she was the first, oh, I'm going to go see my dad. Let's see if we can work things out. She got all mad because he ended up giving her, you know, this nice heart-to-heart talk, and it was something that he heard in therapy. I still don't know why that was so bad. And by the end, and at this point, you got to be more concerned with just getting him and figuring out what you're going to do with this bomb, not just every step of the way. Here comes, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Here comes with flashbacks. When this is almost like the Tim Sheridan deal, like you said. He made fun of his plan. In that letter at the end, in this, Mariko Tamaki has done these flashback nonsense so many times that you have crushes sick of it, too. Hey, I don't want these anymore, so why bring it up? Just give us a story, please. please. Do something that feels legitimate and serious with this character and show us something, you know, that progresses her character in a new way besides for her just being the daughter of Lobo and she's angry and likes girls. Yeah, this ends up really, like we always say, DCYOU. It feels so much like a DCYOU book. It feels like that Bizarro book with Jimmy. That you're just it having your, your goofy funs and we're you're doing go that, and, but... We're going to go and take over Bizarro America, which is Canada. Just yuck-yucks all the way. Yuck-yucks all the way that, you know... You, no you real story. Of, and so, with all of that said and done, this book is not selling worth a crap. It's one of the worst-selling well, books God at for DC. small favors, though. Just the idea, if this was selling well, I would lose all faith in humanity. But it has to be something where... Everybody involved realizes, number one, Mariko Tamaki is an Eisner award-winning writer who's also writing detective comics. you got to realize you can't just throw things out there and just go with these accolades and have it sell. You need a story, and you need a progression of a character. If you're given a character that nobody really knows a lot about, use your book to tell us about that character in a way that makes sense, of that not, not just yuck-yucks. Also, DC has to realize, don't give shit like this eight issues. It's too many issues. This could have been a one-shot annual and yet story. Superman and yet Authority only got four. Yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> Still, like, I mean, what other stories that we have that should have gotten more? And this gets eight? Superman and the Authority. Yeah, but I, I don't think Grant Morrison is involved anymore. That's all they had to give, to give us. Right but still. Up. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, he seemed to say he was done with superhero comics, and then that thing came out. I don't know where he's out and about and doing, but still, there's other books that really deserve more. Yeah, that didn't deserve more either. That got the perfect amount. It deserves more, but a different story and a different writer. That's what I'm saying. Now it just deserves everything. This deserves eight issues of the Give me an ongoing Captain Marvel book. You just have to. Here's the thing. Through the end of it, there, even to tie that in. When you go go and say, hey, we want a crush book because Teen Titans is done. People seem to like this crush. Uh, You know, 
don't don't just say, hey, you're writing it or do you want to write it? Say, throw it out there. I don't even care if it's DC Comics Fight Club. They're down in the basement. Oh, and they shit, have, to, they have to duke the shit out of this one. I want crush and they beat the crap out of each other. Let's see who really wants it. Oh my it God, here. Jimmy Palmiotti pulled out a switchblade. Damn right. He wants it. <laughs> He's there. But instead, it's a comb, Eric, and he combs his hair back. And then, Slick. He, then he gets out a, a butcher knife and then stabs you. Now, you have this where, oh, you want to do crush? Give us a little story of what you're going to do. You know, maybe show us, oh, what I'm going to do? Space Vegas, yuck, yucks. Cookie, no, 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 you're, you're off. Of you're done. You're, you're not no, doing you're it. Let's you're get somebody now. who's going to do something with these books and Don't these you stories. You've done enough problems over in Detective Comics. Why would you bring this over here? Yeah, and so I don't know. I don't weekly. know why. You know, and then yeah, really weekly, you end up where you know who else? Could? Bendis, you want to do like I don't know where they get hey, these Bendis. ideas, right? Well, look, I'm telling you, do you want Crush and Lobo? I know it's not one of the biggest books we have right now because that's all you'll get for some reason because you can only fail upwards. But I don't understand the choices being made. Like, is there just such a shortage of writers that they just have to deal with what they people have? People are leaving. People are bailing, and they have to give these people work. They're paying them. I don't know, but yeah, this book. It's just, it's just not good. It, it's just, it's. I had such high hopes for this book. I, that's the problem is people hearing us yell. We were looking forward like to this book more lot. than a lot of other books that we deal with that we end up liking. We were really. I wanted looking to find out who Crush's them. mother was. Some kind of way that we can move past all the diabolical shit that Lobo did to Crush and Teen Titans. I want to see this character progress and go forward in a new and interesting way that lets me know where she comes from and where she wants to go. Go looking forward. Yeah, and we wanted to know what her real power set yeah, was. How all that good I, stuff. I don't know. Because we haven't I'm, done anything. Eric, I'm a wacky guy. I, I don't sure. know. I wanted some Lobo. I mean, seriously. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Bullshit. I mean, seriously. Really? I wanted Lobo out of this? Yeah, you put Lobo to get people. Such a dupe to get people in. And again, I also wanted maybe a little more. No, it didn't. For me, it did. <laughs> well, it did for us. I'm saying it didn't sell. I would have liked a little more of the Teen Titans, too, a roundhouse who had become a good friend of Crush and maybe a confidant, things like that. But I'm that, you, that's I the that. next I, I story. I want to see Red Arrow. I want to see Roundhouse. I want to see Crush. I want to see Kid Flash. I really want to see more Kid Flash. We haven't done a lot with Wallace West lately, and I think that he should have his own mini as well and maybe bring back his father, Daniel West, the reverse Flash. That'd be awesome. Mariko Tamaki, next eight issues. Do, we just don't do anything with these great characters. And people are like, why don't you make new characters? I'm like, why does anybody buy the new characters? We make the new characters and we just kind of let them sit and they stagnate for fucking like a decade. My favorite panel is when you see Crush and the Teen Titans try to stop a bank robbery. I'm like, all right, that's right, cool. See Let's that. see. Yeah, I do too. Um, but yeah, by the end, she gives this alien girl a perfect date that involves a caricature. I always love that. Hey, little girls always love roller skating. <laughs> And they get some flowers and stuff like that. The alien eats but it. Oh my a, God. This yeah, alien isn't like a human, Eric. I can't. You have a it. blowhard comic, stand up comic who just wants to talk shit on Crush, and Crush beats the ever loving shit out of him, which is your action for this because puffs up like a puffer fish. You think it's going to be a big deal. It's not. But the date was not all about this because, as m- many people should know, if you go on a blind date and the person you're there with, Beats the ever-loving shit out of somebody and causes a scene. You want to get the hell out of here. And even in space, that's what happens. 
people will hear you scream and they get the fuck out. And also, when you're on the date and you're like, hey, what, what are you all about? Well, nothing. And then you see they have an ankle bracelet on. You're like, I think you didn't tell me everything here. What's that there? I'm telling you, I'm talking like the one that she has. You end up having the ankle bracelet. Are you talking about like the spike bracelet? Yeah, no, I'm talking about the idea that she has a bomb ticking down because she's an ex prisoner. Oh, okay. Yeah. All of a sudden, she, what, what's going on there? That, you never really like mentioned that. Watch. No, no, she should have said that. Hey, you know, on Earth, these are It's just space watches. Apple Watch. Yeah, no, no, that's what's going to put you, space before it. You beat somebody up, and I see that you had, like, what's that, a tracker? Who are you? And, like, that's it. I'm getting in the Uber. I'm out crush. of here. Yeah, so. With that, and then when you get in your date's car, and they have to have you blow into that little stick there, so that it'll start. You know that maybe you shouldn't go to a bar you, at least. You for say that. that, and I think to myself, like, I know this is going to end in a good way for me later well, on. Maybe for you. I don't know about everybody else, but and everybody gets a second chance, Eric. But again, you don't have that DTF after your, over here. All right, you don't get that after your second chance. You've had a lot of chances up until then, but again. She is also going around with a bomb there and just taking a... It's just ridiculous. And if it goes off, you know what everybody's going to say, Jim? What's that? What happens in Space Vegas stays in Space Vegas. I thought you were going to go, that date ended in a bang. You end up to, and I mean a bang, Eric. I'm really talking... DTF. Is that that comedian supposed to be? Is that like toxic, you know, human? I I don't... I want to see... I don't know how things work. I want to think that it means something more. Because then I'd see something going on, but I don't. I don't. Is the cookie eating yourself as a cookie? Is this some sort of... Look, I don't see any deep symbology to anything going on here. Well, you are a priest witch. I figured you know the symbols and all those archaic umlauts and stuff. I hate the Motley crew and stuff. What's wrong with scare the shit out of me. He loves that shit. He does, yeah. He scares the shit out of me. Eric, who knows what he's up to under that fucking helmet. What would you give this? I think that the art in this looks fantastic. The color work is great. It's just that everything about this character work and the story and the non-story is some of the worst horse shit that I've read from DC <laughs> Comics. And I just don't know why this keeps going on because you have such great characters, great looking art, and you just want to do everything you can to fucking do bullshit and make people pay for it. And I have no idea how you could feel good about yourself in the long run by putting a price tag on this nothing of a story. Wait, out of wait, 10. keep going. <laughs> I need to get no, out. I'm done now. Did you call that horseshit? Yes, I, I, I swear you called that horseshit. I did blah, that. Blah, blah. I need the hot take. Holy moly. I was laughing too hard. I was trying to get it. I'm, I can't see through the tears of laughter. Eric is what ended <laughs> what up happening. about this story, Jim? Uh, Eric, I, I think you are totally on point with what you said already, as I am desperately trying to get the i i you, you don't need go it's back. fine no no i can't let that go eric i cannot let maybe i'll have to eric i yeah, can't find i can't find the hot take of what you said eric oh my i hope it's a hot take eric. it was nothing it was nothing <laughs> just hot like take. this story <laughs> at the end so horse shit that would have been great, <laughs> that was great. I, somehow i was a soothsayer yeah, you're doing nothing with this book. This book is filling up We're space on the a shelf. making characters look less all around. They're not elevating anybody in this. You're making everybody look worse. Here's here's the biggest problem. And now, this isn't going to be a hot take, Eric, but maybe it will. But this is the problem here. You had Crush show up and Crush Lobo's daughter. A lot of people threw shade at that. A lot of people said, oh, look at that. That's bullshit. We have another Lobo. I thought it was oh, cool. What are you trying to do? We liked it, but I'm saying a lot of people didn't. 
this justifies all the hate from before. It does. This oh, book yeah. makes it show, it shows you if you read this, like, okay, I heard Jim and Eric saying this crush was a cool character. I thought it was bullshit, but I'm going to go in and you oh, read no. this. You are given the idea. Yep. It's a joke character that has nothing behind her. So why should I care, Eric? Oh my God. <laughs> I have to get is something, it, but that's my biggest is problem. It's going to be nothing again. Oh, shit. <laughs> the, the idea, I'm going to make that echo later. No, the, it's it's making, you're you're basically, like I said, you're playing into the hands of the haters with giving a, a deal here, eight issues of nothingness. And that is a shame, Eric, and that is the end of the podcast. So with that, I don't think that that book will be your, it's a hot take. It's not your book of the week. What is your book of the week? My book of the week is Dark Knights of Steel, number one. The That's hotness mine. this week. It was awesome. I had a lot of fun talking about it. And again, we we try to push the Patreon, all that stuff, the year nor there. But I had a lot of fun talking about that book. And actually, it, was a lot it, of fun. it did. It ended up making me like happy that we got to talk about these books on the podcast that people listen to. We were having so much fun talking about all the different types of characters we might get and the nonsense that they could do, but really liking the story and how it played out a little more subtly than I thought it would. Except maybe for Harley, as we said. But yeah. that is my book of the week as well. Uh, just to throw it out there, I gave it, I think I gave it an 8-8, eight, eight, almost a 9. Uh, but again, we have, eight, diff- five. we have a different sort of, you know, scale there. We don't give everything 10. So, but it was, it was really fun. Uh, this is what we're going to be talking about next week. And two of these books will also be on the Patreon exclusive spotlight show picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh Crow. Uh-uh. <laughs> And you end up where? I I don't know, Eric. I don't know don't what's going to go on. Action I just comics, like to think you have no idea what's coming out next week now. Well, I, I forgot all the ones that were. So as we go through, I'll talk about Action Comics number 1036, heading off the war world. Bad time. Rural juror. Uh, hopefully this book starts selling better. It's not selling well, and it shocks me. It should sell a little more. I'm not loving it, but I think it's a decent enough book, and it's getting better as we go on. Well, it's we a better also- time right now from like what we had with Bendis doing Superman and Action Comics at the same time. But the thing is, it's so scattered because our Superman book was changed to being John being Superman, yeah. son of Kal-El, while Philip uh, Kennedy Johnson's run on Action Comics is almost like we talked about in that um the Patreon spotlight this week where he comes from the school of Bendis and some of the ways that he writes things don't feel really right to the character or the world that he's doing. Yeah, and as you said, the, the idea of school of Bendis, you don't mean like how Bendis's dialogue or he no, takes no. his time. It's the research and what ends up, you know, being what he centers on in some of the stats and stuff like that. But I hope that people start reading that more. And I also thought, because the big news, when John ended up coming out as bisexual, the big thing was that this upcoming number five issue is like going to sell through the roof. It's unprecedented numbers. And I know that you are somebody who ends up like when you you do end up having that called a Superman book, it kind of bothers you a little because you don't feel like it's more of a Superboy. Kind, like I just what wish if we it, could call it Superboy still. Well, He's you know a young man still. What if that becomes the biggest selling Superman issue of all time? Well, you think that you have to have an asterisk on that just because it isn't Clark. That it is John because I don't Superman. know how things it's work. It's weird though. I, was I just, just like of the that idea. Today. It's like okay, John, you are Superman now. You're 17, maybe 18 years old now. You are the Superman of Earth. Here you go. And the reason that is that is because everybody knows we got to keep that Superboy title open for when Connor has his own book. That is true, Eric. And 
And with that, I don't know if it was announced or whatever, but I Where's thought Connor? that I thought that this uh, the Son of Cal L book was supposed to come out on the ninth. It looks like it's not going to come out until not this coming up week, but the week after. I really? think that there might have been a bit of a delay. Yeah. Well, they the had to do a bunch more reprints. I'm like, like, then we oh, had to yeah. print so much more money. It takes a little bit while. Let's push now this back. Now we find a week. out why they ran out of paper. <laughs> Everybody's ordering that shit. We also have Batman Urban Legends number nine. We end up having that. I don't know offhand. We have a couple of those stories continuing that outsider story. We had some other Batwoman stuff. one. Yeah, I think the Batwoman as well. So we'll see how that is. Black Mana number three. Eric, a book that. We haven't really loved every issue, but I'm intrigued by it. I, I actually am more. looking forward to this number three, hoping that it gives us some answers. We also have I Am Batman number three, which is something we've been enjoying, I think, a little more than some people. I just, just hope it feels like um, it ties into the main DC universe more at this point in time. And it feels like it's more in the future than it should be. But I do like the idea, like with Superman, Son of Kal-El, yeah. these rookie characters that want to, like, you know, figure out who they are as these mantle type, you know, titles, but they're doing things wrong or they're just trying to find their footing and how they want to do it. I like those type of stories. You know, what's funny there. when you think about it, I always go on and on about how I love the teen characters and the teen heroes because they, they end up learning on the job yeah. and things like those are. The problem is a lot of these, like an I am Batman and even for the most part, Superman, Son of kal it's not the fun of it though. It's always them, you know, behind the eight ball or getting shot at, especially the I am Batman. It doesn't have that, that fun bit that I always like, but I do like seeing them struggle and try to, you know, make Look, their own way. You have this great fun bit in my mind where he's, you know, um, Jace is in the secret R&D department of Fox Tech or Wayne Enterprises, whatever it is. And so, so he knows what his father's doing, and he has the keys to the kingdom, and it's all a big secret. That's the fun bit for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I thought well, you were going to say that. Know it, what I'm doing. It was fun because it was set up by him, like, drunk driving and hitting a guy. I was going to think no, you have a no, weird no. idea of fun, Eric. Justice it's like League 1940s last ride. Germany. Yes. Just, yeah, well, you, you have to bring that up. <laughs> that ties it all together. Justice Book League ends. Last Ride number seven that ends that. Eric, what is it in a seven issue run? What does that mean? A seven issue run? Oh, that's Elseworlds. That Jim. means that yeah, that's Eric's deal. Seven issues equals Elseworlds. So far, I can't say that he's wrong. <laughs> I'm telling you, it works uh, out somehow. I don't it know. It does, but yeah, that'll end that. We'll see what's going on with that dark side guy. I, I hear some the crazy things going back over there. You also have the Joker number nine. Eric, I like to call you the Joker. Number nine. Am I a midnight toker? Yes, they call me Maurice. They might call you Maurice. Uh, Titans United number three. Eric, how many issues? That is seven. That is a seven issue. What does that mean, Eric? Elseworlds. Elseworlds. Uh, But yeah, we'll be talking. Target. I hope that this third issue gets me on board and you back on on board. You were on board a bit for the first issue, but the second really threw us off. But. Well, there's that, no then, heart to the story, though. You were putting characters together that I love, but when you see them together, I'm like, oh, there's no reason these people should be on a team together because it's stupid. Well, that's why I – this is the thing that we talked about even with the Dark Knights of Steel. The idea of an Elseworld story, an out-of-continuity story, if you're not going to do something special with it and just be like, well, we don't want to follow continuity, but we want to throw this team, it just doesn't work for me. It just feels like, all right, why do I need to read this? And that's what – I need something from that to give me that special feeling of, okay, this is, I and, still have that a bit for Last Ride. 
why we is, have I'm not to even have gonna, that. I'm not even going to call these other books like Elseworlds because I want to say Dark Knights of Steel is a proper Elseworld. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'd say this is out of continuity. These are fucking hypertime stories. Fuck it. Oh, hypertime, Eric. How dare you say that? Wonder Woman 781. We'll see if we can, you know, have some fun. Now that we're out of the sphere of the gods, maybe, you know, the multiverse, kind of. And with Wonder Woman back, maybe we can get some good Something. stories going on. The problem is it looks like we're going to get a doppelganger story again that does tie into Janice. I mean, <sighs> we can't get rid of this Janice or this doppelganger shit, but maybe it'll be good. I don't know. I'm not going to judge it yet. I'll, we'll judge it in the next couple of days when I review it. Eric, put that Chip Warner stamp on that bit. But yeah, we'll, we'll be going with that now. As an aside, just to mention just one last bit of a push for the Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience. There are some black label stuff coming out. Batman, the imposter number two, and also Robin and Batman number one, the Jeff Lemire book. I have started a black label podcast on our Patreon. It only goes through like one or two books, the one I'm, uh, the ones I'm enjoying. And I did Batman, the imposter number one. I really liked it. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll be doing it on that probably with Carlos. Uh, actually, he asked if he could join me for that, but then I'll also do a Robin and Batman number one. So if you wanted to listen to that as well, it's on the Patreon. So check out all the links and stuff like that. I almost said, check out the leaks. Check, check those out leaks them out. leaks there in the show leaks. notes. I Stick your thumb up. in that dike. Put it in the dike. That's sexy. But with all of that, yeah, check out our Patreon. You could get more and more shows like uh, that. Also, I started an Injustice read-through because a lot of people are throwing shade at that Injustice book that I thought was Look, incredible. you can't throw so, shade until you get to Ground Zero. That is true, Eric. That is true. Now, but, are you starting with Ground Zero, which was the no, prequel to it, or no, are you going no, to order of release? There's even a, a further back prequel, so I know I'm, I'm going with... I'm trying to remember year, how it works out. I said the idea of just year one is where yeah. I'm starting, and then when and that's done... It, well, I said if people like it, I'm only going those individual digital chapters to each. It's very one's quick. Good, though. Oh, yeah. So good. I mean, you ended up not wanting to get involved for a while, and then you just you had some time, and well, it was because in the, I, like, the app. Do, I, do I need to read more? I'm playing the video game. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that enough? No, but you, you loved, you know, it's it good. really good. Yeah. Really good character work, stuff like that, that really, really one bad day for Superman. But with everybody what talking, day. oh, my God, I, I just I'm just about to get the I issue. I kind of want that three. song going on. What a perfect day. Oh, my it's God. Like, you know, and then you see him as killing freaking Joker, ripping yeah. his freaking th- arm through him, stuff like that. What a perfect day. You know what the funniest thing? Because I haven't read it in a long time. I didn't watch the movie. I heard a lot of people hate yeah, it. I haven't that. watched it yet either. But I'm, I'm doing it by just digital chapter so at the third chapter spoiler alert that is when lois ends up you know mm. but I, I actually forgot going back <laughs> because it's been so long you know, you, you know when when lois gets to uh-uh. and so when i when i went back though i forgot the extra bit where okay lois dies and metropolis blows up yeah, in a yeah, nuclear yeah. blast i'm like That's, yeah i get it when yeah, people sit there and like Superman, he wouldn't do that. I'm like, really? Like, some bad, bad stuff went on. But yeah, even the worst, in the, the so worst this, stuff. This coming up, week, I, I can't even say that the Joker. Actually, this is why the Joker's worse than these yeah, jokes. Yeah, I know he is. He kills people. Coming up, I'll be doing that. Chapter three is is coming up in this next week, and boy, it, it just hits hard right away. Also, if you are also a 
Marvel fan, I'm also doing a Ultimate Universe podcast as well, going through the whole Ultimate Universe. It starts off with Ultimate Spider-Man. Like, the thing um, is, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man, those were the first two that came out. And I yeah, bought those them on the, the, like, the day that they came out, even though I don't care for the Ultimate Universe as a like a rule in my mind. But mm. I, I can't remember. I don't think the Ultimates was very good at all. And I don't even people know if you should even it. deal with no, the, the original Ultimates. Oh. Yeah, people hated Ultimates 3. Oh, okay. And I, I hated the way the Iron Man suit looked. No, people loved it. They, people still to this day go on. That's why I ended up doing this. Now, with this, I'm going by a Even the Ultimates Spider-Man and X-Men, though, I look at the covers when they came out because I have them well, in my it's, head. Well, it's your like, now past the deal. But... No, I'm just saying, though, even when they came out, I bought them just yeah. because they were number ones. But I'm like. Oh, you're cashing in on those X-Men Spider-Man yeah, movies. I got That's gotcha. what it was. That's all it was. And but people liked it and the uh the oh, deal yeah, is the first 7 episodes and I think I'm doing episode 5 coming up uh are just Ultimate Spider-Man. You go through that, you know, the the deal and then you go to Mo- Did Ultimate. Did we do all 6 or just no, the first No, we issue? did one. Okay. We did the first one. I put that back up as the one, Eric. I ain't doing an extra. One. <laughs> so yeah, that goes up and really if you end up, you should listen to it for a second and go, yeah, our sound quality really did improve over the years. Ooh-wee, it didn't sound great. But you get next is actually the uh, ultimate team-up deal, and you have Spider-Man and Wolverine. I couldn't remember if we did all six off. because we were talking in that. I specifically remember the idea of Bendis doing this whole thing and it's, where the origin of Spider-Man was six issues. It's actually where the original, worse. Where the original, though, was like you know three yeah. pages, and I'm like – the whole idea of that, I'm like, did we do the all six and that's no. why we talked about it? Or is this because we got nowhere in that first issue? Pre- pretty much add one to that, Eric. It was seven. like seven oh. issues of a origin. All we got in that first issue that we got a kick out of is hippie Uncle Ben <laughs> with his ponytail. He gets his, I Eric. That. I didn't know if More you didn't gray realize. With my ponytail. Damn right. There you go. You better watch out. If you And I said, this is the killed. thing. Of all the Spider-Man universes, this Uncle Ben never gets the idea that the minute that he says great power, great response, he's dead. That That's the, there it is. That is the call of the death going on. So you tell me when like depression hits me really hard, I should just go around telling yeah, people just all the do time, it. That's you all know, you have guy, to do. great power comes great With responsibility. Great, yeah. Also, in Bendis fashion, that line, it takes about six panels. <laughs> you have Uncle Ben just meandering around about it. Hey, people do things because they're good or not. I'm like, just get to it. Just say it. Holy moly. But yeah, you can go. There's all those things going this on. This is still in the a- era, though, of decent Bendis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's only one time in five issues now that I've read that there was a typical Bendis dialogue repeating thing that didn't make sense. And I think that that was a bit of a mistake. At one point where people repeat the exact same line, but in different parts of uh, Kong's house, Eric Kong. All right. You know, but that's it. That's it. There's a, little, Kong. there's a little Marvel talk as well. And Flash. 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 I love Flash Thompson so much. I love that idea of, of somebody who's a real jerk, but then kind of comes around and, and becomes a good guy. I really do like that. But with all that said and done. What does that Eric, happen that for is, you? Yeah, Never. That's why I like seeing it happen in comics because it ain't happen in real life. I sit there. I'm still an asshole. I try. I, I well, at least I think about trying. I'm, like, I'm not going to try, but I'm going to try to try. Yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be so much of an asshole. I get a little sad, and I get over it, Eric, and then I'm back to just me, pure me. That's not good. It's not good to be pure me here, right? Uh-huh. You don't. You don't need that. Aaron. I like to kill you. I like the killing as well. You. Yeah, it does. And the guy comes to fix the heater and is like, who's this? Howard Hughes living in here? Where's the where's oh your my goddamn God, spruce goose? Ma'am, I don't know if you know this, but there's a homeless man living under here. 
of the spruce too, Sarah. Oh, that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, everybody, I like for that you listening. Keep trying, like, we're talking about this. You keep kind of trying to compare yourself to Howard Hughes. I'm like, no, you're just a crazy homeless person. I'm the aviator. You're for nothing. crying out loud, right? You're the, you're the asshole. I'm, I'm dating everybody, right? I'm Leonardo I'm DiCaprio. Here's the Jim Werner Howard Hughes movie, like, the podcaster. Hey, listen. Not only do we not take a week off, this being, I believe now, is our 357th week in a row. Bob but I don't, I don't take time out when I have to go to the bathroom while we're podcasting. Eric, that's I, I don't a, even think it's, it's a game podcasting. I, I think you just don't want to go up the stairs. Well, seriously, somebody ended up saying, why don't you dump those in the toilet? I'm like, if I want to go up those three flights, I wouldn't have had a cop. No, it's a lot of times we're, we're recording, Eric. I can't stop. I'm not going to stop you and say I'm heading off to go to the bathrooms. You'd get mad. I don't know <laughs> that you'll come back. Though. Yeah, I know. But sometimes, you know, I drink a lot of coffee. It's just my little thing. It's a little game I play, Eric. It's not a game. It's called Test the Bladder, it is. And also, people can guess. I wonder what Jim's doing right now. I think he might be peeing. Ah, that's because, you know, I'm fancy. European. Eric, it all comes around, right? (laughs) Germany, 1941. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Thanks a lot, everybody, again. Check out all the places that you can find us that we already said a lot of (laughs) times. Check those, check those show notes, stuff like that. I'm getting tired and very hungry. Uh, Eric, what do we say at the end? Everybody, you have a great week. Week. Keep it weird. Keep it weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in a seven. Uh-uh. Must be endless staircase. Blah, blah, blah. Reading all your comics just to pass the time There's something wrong here that can be no denying Heading off the substack and it feels like you just stop trying And it's fear state, baby, now it's fear state